let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're by the seaside. We are, but it's what? not very seaside weather, is it, Steve? It's not. Oh, it's absolutely belting it down outside, it's a, isn't it? It's a pretty dreary, dark, wet Monday night. Yep, but we're in a lovely, warm, cosy taproom here at Leon Sea Brewery. Uh, we're, and we're not alone. We're joined by, by Ian. Um, welcome to Opinions, Ian. Thank you very much, and thanks for coming here. Um, now, your co-owner of, or, or sole owner of, of, of Leon Sea? Uh, I'm... One of the co-founders, I'd say, because there's actually about half a dozen people involved in the, the sort of shareholding. But Mark Springham and I, uh, um, together with my wife Gabby, actually, we, we the three of us set it up, and uh, and we we've got the controlling interest okay. shareholders. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to all of the uh, yeah. the, the history about the, the the brewery. But we've got a beer in glass. We have. You very kindly poured us a beer already. So would you like to? Let us know what we've got, Ian. Yeah, this is the one, actually. We're just doing some work for our shareholders on our sort of split of, of, of beer production. And this Legra Pale is the one that is outselling everything from our point of view. So it is a, a very hoppy, single-hopped American-style pale ale. Works equally well, keg, cask and bottle. And that's why it's our number one seller is sort of, sort of one that's won us the most awards with Ciba etc so the keg you're drinking is a national silver winner at the, the Ciba keg competition mm, fantastic and this this is a beer that we've waxed ly- lyrical about quite yeah. a bit isn't it because this is this is the citra hop this that's is right. hop isn't it now I've, I've had this on cask tap from the bottle and I've had it on gravity as well at Chapel Beer Festival and it was easily the best conditioned beer of the day that day Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned it on the show yeah yeah you did should we go yeah let's let's, let's tuck in cheers cheers fruity and bitter it's light (laughs) as as well and it has got a lovely bitter kick at the end of it it's and it's it's slightly drying as well but I, I like that yeah, it's I think all that very expensive citra. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it doesn't make us as much money as it should because it is a very expensive beer yeah. to make. You know, but there you go. You know, if you want to make something good, you've got to invest in it. Was was it a, a conscious decision to use citra in it? Did you did you try it with with, with no, other single hops? It's the first beer we brewed. Um, we when we set up, Mark and I, we came new to brewing. You know, after a lot of drinking, but but no brewing. <laughs> And uh, after having done a brew school course and had a, a day with um, a, a brewer, it was uh, Tom Newman who was at that time with Lions Brewery. Um, he uh, he told us about brewing, and we used him as a recipe consultant mm-hmm. for our first recipes. Uh, and he he put that much citra in the recipe, and then we saw the price, and he said, "Just go with it." And so. You know, it, it has helped to establish us, so we, we don't regret that. I was going to ask that. So I suppose if you're looking at it from a business point of view as you are right now, yeah. perhaps it's not making you as much, but it's your flagship beer? Absolutely. Gets our name out there. It, uh, you know, look at the breakdown in terms of the other beers we sell. Well, one of the things we have done, though, is to brew another golden beer alongside it at the same strength 
just to give uh, to, to get that. I know we're going to talk about premiumization yeah. of cars, but actually you know, later on. But um, that's one of the things it does. It says that you can have a beer like this and a beer like that, and they're both three point eight percent, but they don't taste the same and they don't cost the same to make. And you have to make publicans particularly understand that because so many of them are hung up on the old ABV price. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we are. But I think we can get into that in a bit more anyway. But yeah. I think it's the two seem to often go hand in hand. The lower the ABV, the lower the price. Sure. Yeah. And is is the Citra Hop, is it is it expensive because it's so difficult to get hold of? I mean, is it difficult to get hold of as a... Because I imagine it, there are one or two breweries that have got quite it, the contract. Oh, it's it's a few futures contracts. It is difficult there. to get hold of, but that's a bit cyclical because, you know, as the market catches up with, uh, with demand for it. But, yeah, when there's uh, some big breweries fighting over Citra, then we have... Had, um, it's, it's, it's the only hop contract we've ever inter- entered into be- just because of that threat we can't afford not mm. to be able to get it yeah the beer would change if, it, if you've got a single hop beer absolutely. change the hop yeah, it's a different beer <laughs> it's a different yeah. beer yeah. absolutely and, and like now in two years time, two years you've definitely made that your one I was so impressed to see it at South End Airport in bottles yeah that's yeah, definitely yeah. that was definitely a find yeah we're, uh, we're working on them getting it on keg that'd be great for us uh, cause well it'd be great for me but bottles get <laughs> bottles get hidden away a bit always thinking about you out of the three of us who goes through South End Airport the most probably yeah. you yeah. Right, there we yeah, go yeah. I'll, I'm going to take that one <laughs> I'll do my best to get the throughput going if that <laughs> thank, helps thank you yeah um, so Ian tell us tell us a little bit about the journey I mean you mentioned it, it briefly there in your introduction in terms of you, you know you've recently done a brewing course and you've had to kind of learn it from the ground up yes um, the brewery you've only been around since the beginning of 2017 is that's it, right was, when you were yeah well, in fact the first brew didn't didn't roll out until uh, August 2017 so just a few weeks ago we had our second anniversary of brewing I mean we were yeah. around for a few months before that but uh, but but that's how recent it is and uh, it's just uh, something Mark and I really started on a whim you know we um, uh, it just things fell into place. I was uh, I took early retirement from from local government, where I've been working for nearly forty years. Uh, we together with our wives and a few other people, we went out on a pub crawl Christmas two thousand sixteen. Did all the pubs in Lee, and by the last one, um, we were saying we should have a brewery. You know, you know, <laughs> we'd definitely be able to do it. Um, and. Uh, at the time Mark was working, uh, he went back to work on the 7th of January or wherever it was and was made redundant that day and we both took that as a sign that uh, it was meant to be. So um, from that point on we you know, we booked our, our running a microbrewery course in March of that year. Uh, I wrote a business plan in about 10 days um, and we started to set up something which is quite substantial. Not you know We were looking initially at maybe three four five barrel brewery um and then but after the course we thought you know you want to do it properly you've got to double the size of it you know otherwise if you have any success you're immediately uh, not able to you know without your brewing at capacity and you can't make any money so um yeah 10 barrel 1600 liters a time you know and uh, we it took us a little while to put that together that kit didn't actually get installed until the following december but before that, we were hammering away on a 150-litre kit as much as we could to get into the market. And so that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. And was, was the view, obviously, to, to very much target the local market and, uh, initially? Yeah, straight away. Um, we only ever wanted to, uh, to have a brewery called Leon C Brewing Company. 
because it, we just couldn't understand that a place like this with a tourist trade and and quite an affluent a uh, lot of locals as well who've got money to spend in you know in local bars pubs restaurants etc couldn't understand that the place didn't have a brewery you know with with the way that brewery growth was going on and then once we established it the number of people that said to us oh, i was going to do that i was within an inch of doing it you know i wish wish i'd done it um, but it was, yeah, and you can see from the branding, it's based on locality. Um, so we use the local artist um, and local stories, um, local landmarks. Uh, and strangely, that the danger of that is you think it might sort of pin you only to be able to sell beer in, a, in, a, in, in the one place. But actually, going elsewhere with your beer, people also like the fact that it's a local story, mm. even if it's on that locality. So I think it has worked for us. That's quite good, but it works both sides. It works for your local, but other people want to see something from that from the area outside of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think because uh, we've definitely seen it in Chelmsford before, haven't we? Yeah, I think I think first time I I drank the the, the Legra was in Chelmsford. Yeah, um, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, has it been on the Owl House? Have you stopped yeah, the Owl House? Yeah, the Owl House, yeah, the Owl House. The Owl House have got some of our beers at the moment. Uh, they, uh, um, it, you know, it's it's a it's a nice it's one of those places that you're really pleased to get your beer in there yeah. because they have such a great variety. Oh, well, that's handy. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm there tomorrow. They've I, actually. I, got, I, I know a pub in Colchester that's quite interesting yeah. to get your beers in as <laughs> whether, well. Um, whether that, whether it'll be on or not, I don't know because they obviously they, they keep them cellar quite. But yeah, but they are one of the few places that that, that, that pubs. In fact, only the second so far that's taken a, a firkin of the SS nine nine percent imperial stout. No, fair so, enough. Well, there's, so, there's enough people who go in there who yeah. probably express an interest in trying it, to be honest. Yeah. And that's what you need when someone takes that on, don't you? Absolutely. It's, it's generally a beer festival beer, but there's the local pub, the Mayflower, which has had about five firkins this year, which is fantastic. Uh, what, the SS9? Uh, of SS9. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that yeah. is impressive. Yeah, yeah. For a 9% style. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I know the uh, certainly the cellar man does his, does his bit with the... Uh, as he always tells me, he says, well, I've had most of it, but um, I'm sure that's not true. Um, but yeah, it is, it is one of those beers that people like to try, you know, and uh, long may it continue. Yeah. So, so you said that obviously when, when you initially set up, it was yourself and, and, and Mark that, that, that were the driving force about it, yeah. behind it, and, and then, then your wife came on board as well sure. as, as kind of the majority in investors. And I think yeah. you mentioned you've got sort of like a few more investors as well. Yeah. Was was that a case of was was that people you knew, friends, Absolutely. family, yeah, that, that sort um, of thing? Uh, one of my two sons, one of Gabby's three sons, are shareholders, and the other uh, there's, there's three guys that Mark and I used to play hockey with back in the you know, we've kept in touch with, uh, who you know, a bit younger than us, but done very well in their career and business, so they had a bit of money to invest. Um, and finally, our landlord, um, the landlord of this site where we are now. Um, who was really, when, when we turned up just on word of mouth looking for a building and we found this really suitable sort of shed that we're in, um, then he immediately was keen to invest and we did a deal for three years rent free for 10% of the shares. So we're still Brilliant. in that rent free period at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, and he's, that, I mean, he's that must have massively helped getting a new business. Absolutely. Up off it's the all ground. about cash flow. You yeah. know, and you know, for three years, you haven't got any rent to pay. Uh, equally with, with Ben, our, our landlord. He, he liked the idea so much that um, he, he's, he's a bit of a, he's got a lot of uh, fingers in pies and he, he set up the Morsham Tap in Chelmsford um, subsequently. Uh, so again, a customer, um, a craft beer customer straight on, 
off as well. Yeah, as well as being. I was going to say that's the other place where I've always seen your, your yeah. beards on, <laughs> and I've cool. always, yeah. I've always kind of wondered if there was a connection there because <laughs> there for, point, yeah. for for a very small brewery, you, you know, Chelmsford's quite a, a distance. Yeah. To have your beers on regularly in a in in a bar in Chelmsford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Chelmsford for us is is our house, Molson Tap, and also centre for grandsons, and so the, the wholesaler, the a pub owner that take, take mm. their beers regularly as well. So that's a regular yeah. trip. And we're delivering to the Golden Fleece as well tomorrow. So yeah, Chelmsford's picking up. Okay, yeah, so Golden Fleece yeah. is just down Duke Street from the Owl House, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. nice little bit there. You could go in three, three, three or four pumps yeah. and have. Yeah. Drink all the Leon Sea beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so your investors, are they kind of silent investors? Do they uh, have any say in, silent, in, in what you're brewing? That sort, sort of, of that. I mean, they're, so they're guys who've... Um, sort of made their own way and uh, you, you know, they used to they, they give us advice and share their experience of their industries and how that applies to brewing but in no sense do they try to to manage us or you know manage the brewery they they sort of take what pretty much what we say challenge us but, mm. but not not direct us really right, so they're not picking the team then <laughs> no they're not that's, picking the team. that's what you no, want to hear yeah. you're not picking the team no no no, no. But if they have, if they have things that they want us to do, then we, you know, we try to to uh, follow suit because well, um, they're, they're punters as well. They're, that's right. And that, now, that, for example, they're keen for us to get into canning, and uh, it's something we've sort of failed to find the time to do so far. But we, you know, we, we're looking at it very seriously. I think I think it's probably fair to say that your branding does very much lend itself to to yeah, can. I, could, uh, I can picture some of those labels, especially doing doing the wrap around the can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Because the, the art is very nice. It's just the mechanics of it, really. That yeah, that, yeah. Um, that it's a small brewery, two years. You've, you've done a lot already. Yeah, it's just trying to keep up with it, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just talk about some of the some of the beer styles for, yeah. for a minute, because you've you've actually got quite a range that ticks a lot of different boxes. So, so you've got beers that you would probably say would tick the kind of more traditional market. Yeah. So you've got you've got bitters, you've got golden owls. You've got beers that tick the the craft market as well. So you've got obviously what we're drinking now, the Legra. Yeah. You, you've you've got some American inspired IPAs sitting here looking at a Bohemian Pilsner and a rhubarb saison as well. So you, you're yeah. pushing the boundaries there, and then and then you've got your bigger stuff like say you've got the SS9, the Imperial Stout. You, you've done a, recently done a, an espresso version of that as as well, haven't you? Yeah. Where where do you where do you look and how do you plan your brew schedule around what, what you're sure. doing? Well, it does get difficult. The more you know, every line you add is another layer of complication, especially when, as we do, everything we pack everything into cask and keg and bottle. Um, so, you know, all of a sudden you've got 10 beers, that's 30 lines, and that's difficult to keep pace with in terms of replenishing supplies because beer, you know, you don't brew it today and it's ready tomorrow you really it's about a month before it's ready to drink so that is complicated and um, it's driven by the fact that drinkers want something new all the time you know particularly craft beer drinkers experimental drinkers so you have to keep developing we never ever wanted to be brewers of eight different sorts of brown beer you know that was that was but having said that 
we also we are also getting on a bit you know I'm 60 and Mark's not far behind me and we we are traditional drinkers as well as you know drinkers of modern beer so we you know we want a best bitter um we want to bring something for Christmas like uh, you know a strong Christmas winter warmer type type beer but equally we drink we, when we go out to drink we're interested in you know a, a, a goes or a saison or a sour or something not necessarily to love it but to you know the interest the newness of it uh, and see what the different things that people are doing so we want we, we do want that breadth now that is it's challenging in terms of finding the right place in the market because sometimes people see your traditional beers and think oh they brew brown beer we're not interested you know or um, the, or the, it can work the other way around, mm. round as well. You know, you can you can actually put off traditionalists who think oh, you're into this craft and nothing else. But and it may be that we'll have we'll get to a point where we have to sort of get, jump one way or the other. But at the moment, I'd, I'd rather keep it open, you know, and uh, and just be interested and try and cover the range of beer styles rather than just a single area. Well, I mean, just to add a couple of ones I've tried from you, you, you yeah. did a brute IPA. Yeah. During the summer of that the two-year tap takeover that sure. I went to. Yep. There was a, a rhubarb saison as well and a New England IPA. And they were all on the one that's, evening. That's covering yeah, all yeah. of the bases. Yeah. Especially yeah. the bases at the moment which people are very interested yeah. in. Yeah, so, so what's enabled us to do, to do that in some ways is, um, say we ordered this great, this 10-barrel brew kit back in uh, the spring of 2017 and naively thought that, well, by the summer we'll be up and cracking away on that. Uh, and then we were told, oh no, December, you know, it takes six months, I've got a waiting list. So we, we got on eBay and bought a 150 litre kit as well. Yeah, so we've, we've retained that and that does enable us, you know, if a, if a bar says, I'm going to do a tap takeover, can you do something special for us? No problem at all. We're interested in experimenting. Ah, very good. So that explains how you get to So, so what that does is that, that produces about four key kegs or three casks, you know. Ah, and yeah, obviously you had the kegs on it, the exactly. uh, craft work as well. Exactly. That right. just enables the experimentation yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I've been yeah. impressed by the breadth of style. So I did a little bit of a run through the beers I've had from you. Yeah. And you know, you've got uh, like a, an English inspired IPA, which I think is, was on, is on cast. Is, is that the cockle wheel? That's, that's more American style, style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, proper hoppy. You, but you've still got, yeah. I've got, you've got, you have got your traditional English bitter. Yeah. Your your we've six got, little ships. Yeah. I've had in cask. Yeah. Then like I said, and you did a Hell's last year as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So you know, you've, you've ticked quite a few different boxes. And black IPA. And you've got a black IPA as well. Yeah. 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 Again, that's that's done well for us. That black IPA. You know, it came a bit of a um, a collaboration in the sense that. Both Mark and I did a little bit of work experience. Mark did more than, than I did, but a bit of work experience with Sullivan Brewing Company um, yeah. uh, up, up in town. Uh, and the guy that's head brewer there, uh, he, at the time he wasn't head brewer and he was frustrating. He trying to get his recipes out and he gave us the recipe for his Italian guy. Uh, and he gave us the recipe for Black IPA, which went on to get the best beer at Peterborough Camera Festival. Well, cars, I voted you know? for it at Oxford last year as well. Did you? Yeah, yeah. and uh, did okay there as well. And uh, it's also had some SIBA success in, uh, in keg, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's done well for us. And it is, I, I, I love a Black IPA because it does play with the senses a bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm, I'm a massive fan of, of Black IPAs as yeah. well. But yeah. Black IPA done right. I mean, it's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful yeah. beer. Yeah. Straddles both things really well. Yeah. Sure. I, th I think it's, it's fair to say that in, in the first two years you've really hit the ground running um, and I, I think what 
what, what this evening is going to give us the opportunity to do is is to try some of the different beers yep, that, that you, you've been speaking about there, but also to have have your input on on the rest of the show as as, as well. And we're dipping dip, dip in and out with some other questions. We've got some questions from listeners as well, no which which we always like to to share. Um, but we are at the end of the Legra Power Hour. We are. Um, Sorry, again, if you had put a pint in front of me, Ian, I probably would have drunk it just as quickly as the half pint you gave me, because <laughs> it's enough. superbly sessionable, and um, Steve and I do use the word sessionable maybe a tad too often for beers that aren't <laughs> sessionable strength, but at 3.8%, this one just drinks just like a really nice, for me it still feels like a West Coast inspired American pale ale, yeah, and absolutely, it yeah. has all the characteristics of that kind of beer. But I want, and always makes you want to come back for more. Yeah. And I've had the Legra X as well, which is the six percent plus version. Yes, and that does pretty much the same job as well, <laughs> just a little more dangerous. <laughs> so, so there's, there's, there's a double happens. version of this. There is a ramped well. up version, yeah. and it's uh, it's rather yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what would you suggest? Be, well, want to follow up um, with looking round. Maybe uh, keeping it in in the fairly light mode at the moment. Um, Either uh, I'd say either the Bohemian Pilsner, or if you if you fancy a saison, go with a, go with a rhubarb. So you've poured us the um, the rhubarb saison, which is what's what's, what's rhubarb Br- rhubarb. Yeah. No prizes for get, guessing a major ingredient. <laughs> uh, so uh, Essex uh, rhubarb juice um, grown in Manningtree, a bit further north from here. Okay. Yeah, and we brewed it very successfully last year. It was a very popular summer beer, still lovely and light at three point nine percent. I've got to say, it's a, it's a beautiful pour. It's it looks just lovely, got this it? great big foamy white head oh, on it. Cheers! Yeah. Cheers! Um, you may only hear two glasses chinking there because our host for the evening is sitting here watching our stream because he's got to drive home, whereas we're getting a lift from my wife. So thank you very much, Ian, no for Stop. sitting here Enjoy watching that. us drink your beer. <laughs> Now I've had this before already. What do you think? Oh, that's lovely. I hope you can get the rhubarb. That's absolutely lovely. It's, it's there. It's 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 a, it's on the subtle side, but it's providing just enough of a, a kind of juicy tartness yeah. to, to just Tough's lift the, the whole. Word I use, yeah, exactly. lift so the rather whole than beer. sour, it's tart. Yeah. It? yeah, it it takes it for me. It takes it a little bit away from being a saison. You're not getting any of that normal kind of funk that you'd, you'd yeah. pick up in a hasn't saison. It hasn't got the farmhouse kind of yeah. nose no. to it, no. has it? It's quite clean. But incredibly drinkable. Very really, juicy. Really tasty as it's well. It's juicy yeah. as well, isn't it? And I think you're right, it has, it's more of a tart thing. And I think that lower ABV lends itself to that as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's very refreshing. Because I think the evening I had at the tap take, it was quite a warm evening, wasn't it? So yeah. again, Back in the summer, that yeah. the Bohemian Pilsner went down really oh, well. I could see this in, in the summer. Yeah. You'd be, you could literally be drinking this. I see. Yeah, I think, I think you could have this with barbecue. I think it cut through some of those meats quite nicely as well. Yeah. Good yeah. greasy meats. Be really good. Very much so. While we enjoy this, let's um, let's get through some news because um, there's been quite a bit since since the last show. Yeah. Um, so first up, we've got the, the the news, and this is kind of one of these stories that just won't go away. It, it keeps coming back. So, um, beer hawk fresh has uh, been launched, which is basically the, the, the bottle shop rebranded. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the it's, bottle shop model, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, so at the heart of the Beerhawk Fresh proposition uh, is its chilled supply chain, which operates from a refrigerated warehouse in central London, delivering cold chain beers in kegs, cans and bottles, same day to London customers, always in brewery fresh condition. Um, some of the breweries on board already are Modern Times, Magic Rock, Four Pure Little Creatures, Alpine, Great Divide, Voodoo, Camden, Biradel Borgo, Goose Island and Brewski. Now, there's a connection between quite a lot of those breweries, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, no, if only I could think what that might be. <laughs> what could be the connection between those breweries that are currently using beer, Hawk Fresh? Yeah. Um, also offering its customers seven-day credit terms, um, which is different from the usual 30 days terms. Uh, and Beerhawk will also agree annual volume targets and offer collaborative forecasting with any uh, customers that come on board. Now, this is being headed up by... Um, the guy who used to run Bottle Shop. Oh, is it? I didn't. That's. The, I yeah, didn't read. That's I didn't right. read that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew he was still involved in some way, but I didn't realise he was going to head it up. Yeah. So, so it's essentially the Bottle Shop model under the Beer Hawk name. It's the Bottle Shop model, but with and it Z, was in customers as well. But with ZX Ventures money. Yeah. Abs- ab- absolutely. So, um, any any thoughts on this one? Well, I'll offer it up to Ian first of all. Uh, I mean, it's sort of, we're not part of this initiative, and, and no doubt we'd we'd love to be. It's the sort of area um, which would be great. Um, you know, we we have to look at getting bigger customers at the moment. We work very hard to sell you know one or two casks of beer, one or two cases of beer to small customers, and that's great. Um, but it is is hugely um, labour intensive. So this sort of operation, you know, I, I know that I know the bit about the background of it, and there's some understandable scepticism from you know when you raise um, a business out of the ashes of a previous one, especially when the uh, the guy in the new one is the same as the guy was in the old one. Um, but seven day credit <laughs> sounds attractive because 30, 30 days it says there that um, are you going to say you could only wish thirty days? <laughs> or even that, you know. Um, we do, we do we do with valued customers whose whose terms are something like forty two days after the end of the month that you deliver the beer in, you know. So, so you that could be the, seventy days. Yeah, if you deliver on the first of the month, then yeah, you still have forty days after uh, that. That's 42. not unusual. So that's, that's two and a half months from the time you delivered. Yeah, it's about ten to twelve weeks almost. Yeah, yeah. that's not unusual. I mean, the, the seven day credit did leap out at me yeah, yeah. Uh, and and i would you know that that does speak um it, you know it's, it's a new initiative let's hope it works yeah. but that's i mean that's the thing which leapt out of me that seven days is going to grab people's attention like ian and leon c isn't it because i mean seven day credit mm. i mean that's practically instantaneous money yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. This, in this world that it they're is, operating absolutely. in yeah so i well, can see that being as important yeah. as it is i mean obviously quite naturally the first lot of customers are part or very closely aligned with the ABI world or are bigger customers like that sure. anyway. Can understand that. You know, everyone does, a lot of people do want to see brewery fresh beer. That was one of the things that people did mourn when the bottle shop closed was that mm. model that they'd been championing yeah. about the cold chain and stuff like that. As Ian said, I think there's definitely some scepticism about it because of ZX Ventures, ABI money, that kind of stuff. But if you're a small, if you're a small producer and you're trying to get cash flow in and you want to start reducing some of that flow and like you say maybe have one big customer plus your regular small customers it's going to tick a box isn't it it is but it'll be interesting to see how many um independent stockists and bars will actually do business with them because of the 
API tie. But then it depends who they're playing. There's still more non-independent places out there than there are independent yeah, places. Yeah, that's true. true. And ABI will have a way into those non-independent places anyway. So if you're trying to crack the non-independent places, and for what some of these ones it will be, because they've all had big buyouts, haven't mm. they? Yeah. 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 So I think it's a model which would, a lot of people never said the model for Bottle Shop was bad. It was just maybe executed poorly. So that model has now got proper financial backing and proper business behind it. I reckon so it's, it's, it's watch this space, isn't it? I reckon yeah, it's definitely yeah. a watch this space. It'll be interesting how it goes. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got some uh, news from Seba who have um, been working with uh, the people behind the Michelin stars um, to, to give their chefs a taste for independent craft beer. So there's there's an event um, happening shortly where Seba have been working with Michelin um, star, it's the event's called Michelin Star Revelation um, and it's gonna be running in October and they've been invited by Michelin to pour 25 different craft beers to the 500 or so chefs and restaurant representatives that will be gathered at the event and it's the event where they give out the Michelin stars uh, for 2020. Now Melissa Cole's been involved in, in, in selecting the, the, the beers, obviously Melissa's got quite a background in food yeah, as, does as, seem as, as well. Uh, and the beer list is, is quite impressive actually uh there's there's a few that i just want to that, that i want to pick yeah. out so uh first of all you've got harvestoon um shallion yeah. uh, which is cracking lager uh but it's the unfiltered version and, and i think it comes in 750 ml bottles as, as well this version so very much similar to present how you present, present it presenting yeah. wine um you've got lab culture who recently featured on the uh, beers without frontiers yeah podcast these are the guys that have got the vertical farm the indoor vertical farm isn't yeah it? um they've got a beer called lime all yours basil which is a basil and lime saison uh, i've got to say it's, that's not one i'd be rushing yeah you're not going to leap on that one no. but again no for foodies um yeah there's a there's a couple from burning sky uh one called this land which is a mixed fermentation saison and the other one they've got their cuvee pouring as well which is actually being poured for the chefs upon entry mm-hmm. to the event rather than champagne. Makes sense. So Melissa Cole did something similar to that when we had her in for do one of my beer tastings at work. She had a, a lager as the like reception yeah. drink. Yeah. Similar sort of principle. Um, wild beer, Ninkazi, again. again 750 wax big, big bottle. Uh, Siren have got one in there. The Colonel have got uh, their beer de, beer de Saison Damson. Thornbridge have got their barrel aged gooseberry sour, the heart desires. Um, have, and you seen, then, have you seen the local beer there? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to it. More locally, uh, Brentwood yeah. have, have got Van Canor, yeah. which is a champagne owl. Yes, which, which I think uh, we've tried, haven't we? we? I think we had it because um, Brentwood have been along to the bottle share a couple of times. Sure. But also, Justin, um, friend of the show, um, 1970s boy, actually cracked open a bottle yesterday. Yes, yeah. And said five it, years old. Said as well, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Ta- hadn't been tasting any better than it does right now after five years in the bottle. Fantastic. That's brilliant. To no, see there, are some, there are some great beers there. I mean, a couple of uh, regionally local ones for us. Uh, Lacon's Audit Owl, one of my favourite beers. Yeah, and, barley um, wine. And uh, it's, it's great on cask uh, and Green Jack's Baltic Trader Imperial Stout as well. And we'd love to. We didn't enter the fray here, and who knows if we'd have been successful? If we did because we hadn't really got the uh, the thing to enter. Other than uh, the thing we're talking about, talk about later, later, our yeah. SS9, um, 
but uh, but they were looking for the big sharing bottles and it's a great initiative from Seba. I've got a Seba hat yeah. as well as you know um, so I think this is a brilliant thing that's, that Seba are doing here really really can catch the imagination it wouldn't be great to have a mixed two cases of you know one of each of those beers I think, it's a incredible selection and, yeah. but I also I do like the way the ones they've got it's all the presentation of the beers as well yeah, yeah. goes along with the presentation of the food Hope, you know, they're bound to be hopefully getting some really nice glassware, presumably for the curvey, they'll be using champagne glasses. They'll really be trying to showcase yeah. it. I think it's a, it's a great initiative. Because well, beer still suffers, doesn't it, in, in high-end restaurants from yeah. the, almost the, any restaurant. The, the way it's presented in bottles, yeah. and yeah. especially now with cans as well. Now, let, let's be honest, nobody wants to be opening a can at a, <laughs> a, a, a table in a restaurant, <laughs> do they? Um, so, so yeah, same, it's... Same cachet, is it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all about that presentation, isn't it? And like we said, a lot of those beers... Uh, a 750ml bottle so that they're going to look like a wine bottle yeah there's going to be many a fingers cut trying to get those wax seals off those bottles <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah no that's that, 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 that's great news and all, all we can hope is that that, that event is successful in, yeah. in, in doing what somewhere. it sets yeah. out to do and, and we see more of these restaurants taking on yeah and hopefully it the also then trickles down to non-Michelins because there's plenty of good restaurants which are not Michelin style restaurants which still, you look at the beer list and it will be the same tired macro list. And you can almost, in your head, start to picture the names of the beers they're going to offer you. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be, no, okay, I'll go, I will have the wine instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we've got um, news from the Pullman Group. Um, they released uh, the sixth edition of their code of practice on the 23rd of September and this had some quite substantial changes um, to it in terms of uh, what they're now um, kind of monitoring I suppose in terms of their remit um, so, so basically the, the main one was that a drink's name, packaging and any promotional material or activity should not cause serious or widespread offence. The rule sets out that the procedures need to be careful when referencing race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, disability and age on packaging or promotional material. Now this is something that's been a while coming, isn't it? We knew we knew this was coming. Yeah. But it was a case of when was this the is new... them firming it up, really. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other things, um, protection of the, of the vulnerable has been explicitly added as an overarching principle of the code. And, and probably the, the, the most controversial one in, in, in here is that the code advises that single serve non resealable containers shouldn't be more than four units following the change in the Chief Medical Officer guidelines from daily to weekly guidance. This establishes a new and credible definition for assessing complaints about irresponsible sampling promotions or packaging such as single serve non resealable containers. Mitigating factors for products up to six units such as premium status pricing and structure and, and share message inclusion may be taken into account. So this is the one that I think we've discussed before in yeah. terms of... Is that what they mean by the big beer in a single unit pool, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, it's everything that was just on that seat. But, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but they're all sharing bottles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, so, because you present, so, it's, it's yeah. in a bottle which is lends itself to being and, shared. And designed to share. I mean, what... What is a um, a bottle of wine with a cork though? I mean, it's very difficult to get the cork back in the bottle. Yeah, uh, almost li- true, no, literally. True top, fair enough. But yeah, um, but yeah so um, it is. It's one rule for beer and uh, other rules for yeah. Other and I think the, the, the test will come if someone is seen to fall foul of it. Yeah, that's well, what we'll find again, out. Again, will it be one of these things where somebody looks for an opportunity to take a successful brewery? 
to task because they haven't met the guidelines. Or someone's been an arse. I mean, that's, look what, I was, at, that's what I was trying to say, mate. Look yeah. at, <laughs> or some brewery looks to be taken in that way because yeah. yeah. they like it like that. And there are breweries around like that as well. There, there are who, who will use it. No publicity yeah. is bad publicity. Absolutely. But then, you know, the reason why Spoons stopped serving resin was one person got too drunk on it and realised it was 9%. And that's why they're now selling the low res. You know? So the rest of us had to suffer because of one idiot. Yeah, because they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Um, while we're on uh, units of beer, uh, news from Scotland, the, um, the introduction of minimum pricing uh, per unit in Scotland has cut drinking by almost half a pint a week. Um, so since May 2018, the, the, the price of alcohol in Scotland has had to be at least 50p per unit. Um, and as a result there was a study done by the British Medical Journal um, to look at how much was being bought in shops before and after uh, the move up until the end of 2018. So it found that the minimum amount purchased per person per week fell by 1.2 units, the equivalent of just over half a pint of beer or or a measure of spirits. Um, However, overall Scots are still buying more than 14 units a week uh, the recommended limit after the introduction of new drinking laws. Now, it's interesting that this um, research was only done on home drinking and the off-trade, so this wasn't actually, didn't include pubs, bars and restaurants. But I suppose most pubs, bars and restaurants are probably already above the 50p a unit, wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. Apart from spoons. Yeah, apart from, <laughs> apart from the aforementioned spoons. Yeah. Take spoons out of the equation. Uh, most places, they probably are, but I don't have a calculation. Yeah, but most um, places would be over it anyway. Yeah. yeah. So Scotland were the first country in the world to introduce minimum pricing based on the strength of alcoholic drinks, uh, and research findings have led to calls for the policy to be adopted across the UK. Uh, Wales is looking to introduce minimum pricing in 2020, but neither England nor Northern Ireland currently have plans to set a limit. Um, so, I mean, I know this is one that, again, Ciba have been quite vocal over in terms of the, the minimum pricing of, of units being enforced across the entire UK. Mm-hmm. But um, if, you, if you produce, uh, I think the, the argument from an artisan brewer is that if you produce quality um, alcohol, quality beer, then you're not going to be able to knock it out at the low prices anyway. So what all this should do from a business point of view, and a health point of view, is to take some of the awful cheap stuff off the, off the market, really. So, um, and, and in that way, you could argue that the, that the level could be even higher, yeah. you know, appreciably. But it, so it doesn't have a particular impact for us, or wouldn't have a particular impact for us, other than, you know, it would take some of the 12 cans of, Carlin for seven quid or whatever, you know, out, out of the out of the mm-hmm. equation. Always find it weird though that as part of the same same essentially the same country still we have different laws. Yeah, yeah, I find it's, that almost, quite it's almost like they, they road well. test it somewhere. It's seen, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of that going on. You know, I, I, yeah. my own personal feeling is that I think you'd have such, the supermarkets in England would be lobbying hard with their respective MPs and various other bodies for it not to happen. I I'd agree. Because on, on that that's yeah. where it's that's where it, this this is where it's almost so targeted, impact, isn't it? Because yeah. even off even traditional off licenses and then bottle shops will already be selling it above that price. above that price anyway. So it's really only at supermarkets, isn't it? Take away the odd special offer you might get somewhere. Yeah. It's the like you say the slabs, the barbecue beers. Mm-hmm, when the football's on, you can buy two cases for fifteen quid. It's those offers, isn't it? Yeah. Supermarkets are going to say no. 
and there is always going to be an element of there are some people who can probably only afford that at that price as well so got got to always remember that um it's an interesting one i just but it's it's just an odd one but it's different in another one other part of the uk before we come on to the final news story Let's get some final thoughts on this beer because it's well it's, both chugging it. It's, it's rapidly disappearing yeah. from our glasses. So this is the uh, the the rhubarb. The rhubarb saison. Rhubarb saison. Um, and again, although the beer itself may not suit the weather outside of our cosy little <laughs> shed in here, um, shed is probably doing it a bit disservice by the way. But I know it's how you described <laughs> it earlier. Yeah. In um, yeah. I don't know. I've got much more time. I mean, it, it doesn't have any sort of particularly um, like strong lingering finish at the end. But it's nice and clean. It's, it's got a, a nice little bit of a sharp sourness. It's nice and light. Whether I would say it was under 4%, I don't know, because it has got quite a nice fruit and tart element. I might yeah. pitch it a bit higher than it is. Um, but again, very refreshing. And what I do find about your beers, not just saying you're sitting, is there's certainly a drinkability about them. Oh, absolutely. There's a drinkability yeah. that you want to come back and have some one of the, One of the things we've done differently this year with this beer is is uh, is to put it in cask as well. And it is a different beer. It's oh, fuller in the God. mouth. It you softens know. it right It softens up it, exactly well. right. Yeah. So it, it featured in the Great British Beer Festival, actually, um, on, on cask. And it will also be at, in, I think, in October in Norwich as well. November um, in Rochford? Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember what they were. Uh, <laughs> Again, but, but yeah. what, what is but this with uh, you just worrying about you tonight? <laughs> it, I don't know what's come out. I've, got, I've gone all Steve. <laughs> so I, I, I love the differences that that keg and cast do. You know that they give, they present things something slightly different. Have two different beers, and, uh, and this this works really well in cast. I, I can picture that. I, I can absolutely picture that. I can picture really that. Well I think just while we're sipping, sipping this last bit, you've referenced Sebra a couple of times. Yeah. What, what's your involvement with Sebra? Uh, well, uh, fairly recently. Um, I took the perhaps foolhardy decision to stand, <laughs> stand as a regional director for the Eastern Region, uh, which, given I'm only sort of two years into a brewing career, um, I may seem you know, a little, trying to run before I can walk. But uh, I just took the view that um, you can have a valuable perspective for, you know, for being new in some ways. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of people in Seba that know an awful lot more than me because they've been doing it a lot longer. Um, but I, I, you know, I. Also, coming to brewing really late, um, I'm not. I haven't got a 40-year career in me in that. So uh, I wanted to, you know, to have a pitch at, at, at the highest level I could in terms of influence and uh, uh, sort of conversation and learning, really. And so um, I've only done one national meeting so far, um, and a couple of regional ones. But it's uh, it's very interesting, and I was very gratified to actually stand stood for election and and uh, and was elected, uh, not just. Uh, you know, uh, no one to, to compete with. So uh, yeah, I'm pleased to, uh, to to see what Seba can do for, for brewers. Um, it's um, it's an, it, in some ways can be a misunderstood organisation. I think I, don't, I think that some of the initiatives that they followed, I would say myself, haven't been the best judged. Uh, I think that I would say, if I'm being critical, they are conflicted a bit because they depend on income from. Uh, their own sort of wholesale arm uh, and that can mean that they've got an interest in actually competing cheaply with other uh, sort of beer wholesalers uh, and that doesn't necessarily do the best favour for the brewers um, but I think that, but that debate's really ongoing so you know, I'm confident that as CBA modernises itself and is more active 
that we can hopefully make some progress and uh, and they can actually you know sell beer at premium levels rather than just um, to the big the big pub chains at the lowest amount. It feels like the direction they seem to be going in certainly in 2019. It feels like there's someone pressed a big red reset button. Yeah. And yeah. some of those th- things you were talking about, they've sort of ditched some of the stuff that they were getting involved in. Yeah. They seem to have a renewed focus on independence, yeah. smaller. You know, come together. Let's let's do this. Let's go on, on this journey together. Um, it definitely feels like there's 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 been a, a step forward. Sure. Not dissimilar to what Camera have been trying to do. And I think yeah, they're, they're, right. they've all seen a, a maybe a new way of doing things and and some new blood will never. And, and new blood doesn't have to be young or old. New blood, like say, someone coming in from yeah. a completely different background can have a new perspective. And if you get a few more of these people joining as well at different levels. It will, it will change direction. Yeah, I mean, there are some brewers that I, that I really respect who, who criticise CBA and aren't members of CBA, and I understand I understand why. Um, but for me, those people have got, you know, they've got really good and useful perspective, and it'd be great to have them inside making those arguments rather than making them from the outside. Uh, and that's, so that's what we've decided to, to, to do, you know, to try and do. Oh, good luck. Before we get into the last news story, and I know we've said that a couple of times now, yeah. but um, Ian has just magically refilled our glasses <laughs> again with, 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 with more beer. Um, Ian, what have we got this time? Um, you have uh, this year's Leon C Lager, which is a, uh, we call Bohemian Pilsner. So, it, um, I'm not particularly a lager drinker, actually, but I, I, I like this. Um, but it, uh, the thing about lager for us is it takes a long time to make. So we churn a beer out in you know, seven to ten days, and this one took 40, I think, in the in the mixture of uh, fermenting vessel and conditioning tank. Um, it's brewed as a collaboration with a Stubborn Mule Brewery from Altrincham. Seems like a long way away. It um, does. <laughs> but uh, he was, Ed from Stubborn Mule was... Uh, although new to brewing himself at the time, was one of the lecturers on our brew school brewing uh, microbrewery course. Uh, and he was inspirational in, uh, in showing how you could open your own brewery, uh, even when lots of things went wrong, you know, and he, he'd had a very difficult introduction into brewing. He's, he's quite, quite young, he's, he's not, I don't think he's 40 yet, um, but had worked in, um, I've got, I hope I've got this right, I think he worked for the Bank of New York, and so he had a completely different career. Um, but really wanted to be a brewer and, and established you know, he's himself up in Altrincham there. Uh, so we invited him down and he came down here and uh, Mark and he worked on the recipe. Uh, so it's a dry hop lager, dry hop with SARS um, and ho- hopefully you'll find it nice and refreshing. Well, let's find out. Cheers. Cheers. Now what I like about that pills, because I'm not a fan of the breadiness of some pills sometimes, that overt breadiness, maltiness on the nose, and then that runs through the taste. This hasn't got any of that. No. Nice and dry, clean and crisp. Hints of the dry hopping coming through as well with the fruit, fruity notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a bit like the Saison, sort of doesn't cut off quite as sharply at the end. There's still that dryness running through, but yep. just enough to go, you should probably sip some more. I'm, I'm getting uh, quite uh, a grassy, kind of straw-like mm. yeah. finish. On, on, on the end that's kind of lending itself to, to that it then goes into that dryness and then there's this lovely underlying bitterness that just sits there at the end as well and again that is literally saying 
have a little bit more. Yeah, drink, yeah, drink a bit of tea again. Yeah, yeah. And come, you, come back in. You were saying while you were reporting for us, saying off, off air, that um, this is the only of all the keg beers that you do, of which you've got quite a decent range these days. Yes. This is the only one that you force carbonate. Is that yeah. a conscious effort choice because it's a pilsner? Yeah, it is really. Uh, it, it means, for out from our point of view, nail the carbonation exactly right and uh, le- without leaving it to the, the vagaries of what happens when you get condition. Uh, and also, the beauty of it, it I find, is that it's been so long in the making, at least you can sell it and drink it on the day that it comes out without having to wait for the you know, conditioning keg. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's our one non-camera definition real ale beer, mm-hmm. uh, our lager. Well, it, it therefore is the, the, the perfect drink to finish off the news <laughs> with, um, because we're talking about the cask report, <laughs> which Absolutely. was uh, re- released in the last week or so. Hashtag irony. <laughs> um, so uh, listeners will be aware every year that the, the cask report is, is released and basically uh, what it does is, is it gives an overview of the state of cask beer in the UK, but basically doesn't it? Yeah. It makes some recommendations. So this is this is the one that um, Pete Brown has presented in the past, isn't it? It's been yeah, yeah. I think, I, think, or... I think Pete's always involved in yeah. it, it somehow. Um, so this year's report um, has stated that there's more breweries in Britain than there are than there have been for decades. There's around 2,300 breweries now in in the UK uh, that supply over 50,000 pubs, bars, and hotels and restaurants with cask beers making over 10,000 different beers available each year. Um, however, there is an ongoing decline in on-trade beer consumption. 14 pubs a week are closing and the average number of cask brands on the bar has reduced from 4.4 to 2.8 in two years. And this means that competition for space on the bar is intense. 70% of cask drinkers have at some point been served an off-pint, which deters them from going back to the pub and puts them off of that brand. Um, as part of the research went into the report, drinkers were presented with cask beers at different temperatures to try. A resounding 95% thought the temperature of those served at the industry recommended 11 degrees to 13 degrees was just right. Um, yet in July this year, nearly half of the pubs without cask mark accreditation were serving cask hours at over 14 degrees, uh, which is frankly unacceptable, uh, so say the people behind the cask report. Um, it then goes on to say uh, that premiumization in terms of quality, strength and price offers significant potential to the industry. Uh, and this is where the cask fight back begins. Um, so breaking those three things down, firstly, uh, quality, premiumization, quality uh, is a concerted effort to get the range right and to serve each and every pint in top-notch condition at the right temperature, uh, which will help pubs to keep existing customers and to attract new faces through the doors. Uh, premium, premiumization strength um, looks at the sales of premium strength cask beers between 4.2% and 7.5% ABV actually grew in the last four months of the year versus the same period last year. Licensees should be looking to include them in their range, particularly for evening and weekend sessions where they're most popular. And then finally, premiumization price. According to the research, 59% of drinkers think that casks should be more expensive than mainstream lager. Uh, finally saying that perhaps the most perplexing thing is the price difference between craft keg beers and cask beers. Drinkers are paying on average an extra £1.50 a pint for a craft keg than they are for cask. Given all of that, all that goes into creating a great pint of cask ale, it's strange that there is so little equivalence. Um, 
final comment here is uh, from Paul Nunny of Caskmark, who says, if you can't get the quality right, please don't stop cask beer. Oh, I'll definitely go with that last sentence. So... Ian. <laughs> uh, well, Thoughts well, on that because well, I need some nice crisp uh, <laughs> false carbonated lager well, after reading all of that. Sure. I mean there's loads there um, and it's good to, to see your sense of what's happening in the industry backed up with some solid research. You know, That's really helpful I think for brewers um, and, I, and I do think that um, to try and establish cask as a premium product is is where it's at that's what we need to try and do and and the end one of the enemies of that is pubs not keeping it properly and me people making judgments on your beer as a consequence and we've, we've suffered from that most of the pubs around here actually keep them have, have good sellers uh, and uh, move the beer through reasonably quickly and and that's great um, but there are some I mean we've we've been to places where we've known we've sold someone one cask of beer and they've had it on one week and they've had it on three or four weeks later you know oh. and it's unsurprising that people go your beer isn't very good oh that's um, disgusting yeah so and there's very little you can you know you, you're constantly like they say competition on, there's a load of competition on the bar you want to sell to as many people as you can but actually you have to make a judgement and if they're going to keep it like that best not let them have any really definitely because um, they're only going to the pub, do the pub the really gets blamed no, for exactly. whatever reason the pub exactly. really gets blamed yeah, so. mm. especially the pubs thing. which have a shifting rotation of beers yeah because one time they may just get it right yeah and that beer tastes really good yeah. next time they get it a bit wrong but it's a different beer so well it can't be that it can't be them because the last time I had a beer it was good so I'm surprised only 70% of people have had an off pint because I mean I've, <laughs> you know, I would have, I'd be very surprised I'm sure everyone's had, had an off pint unless they only go to uh, well, it's got to be 70% right. of the people that they surveyed, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Or, 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 or 70 percent of the people that might perhaps know what they're talking about. Because, I mean, it is. It, I mean, it's on a continuum quality of beer, isn't it? So there, there's the first day or two when it's absolutely tip-top and it's fantastic. Uh, and then there's the, you know, days three, four, five, six, where it's okay and you wouldn't send it back. And then after that, it becomes the point. And everyone's got their own judgment about where that point is. And you feel a bit of a fool if something's just off perfect and you go, but this isn't as good as I expect it to be. Um, but you have to. And I, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't drink it if it's not great, but I really take it back and say, you know, unless it's absolutely wrong, you know, absolutely vinegary, no condition, um, I, I then take it back because it's so obvious then. And the, the bar staff very often go, oh, isn't it supposed to be like that? Yeah. But um, I'll do it on a beer that I'm confident about. Yeah, so a, bit, about, a beer that you know. Yeah, you if, if there's with, a beer yeah. that I know, and I've had it in plenty of places, sure. yeah, I'll take that back and go no, because you know, I'm partnered with my cash. Yeah, and it's not cheap. No, even even now, yeah. even at the non-premiumisation. Right. Yeah. So what do you think about this? I mean, I, I, is it possible? I don't see why. I, I don't think it's impossible, and there are some brewers that have achieved it already, and good luck to them. I don't think I wouldn't say that we're one of them, but um, you drink, you know, I don't know cloud water, arbor. Um, Cloud water was all which came into my head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who, they, enough people know that that's a premium product that they will go, oh, yeah. And they don't necessarily, because, um, you know, in quotation marks, craft beer drinkers are drinking cask and they don't bat an eyelid at it being a five or a pint. 
Um, why would you bat an eyelid at it being a five or a pint if you don't bat an eyelid at Peronia being five or a pint? And people don't. Peronia um, five or a pint, not in where I work. No, <laughs> of course. <laughs> some of the places near me work are over six quid. Yeah. Peronia, so, easily. So why why isn't cask beer you know, kept brilliantly at that level? I, I, I don't understand it. It's a, it's a more complex, harder to keep, harder to make, shorter shelf life. And the only thing I disagree with here really is they're talking about premiumisation on strength grounds. I thought you might have something about that. Yeah, because uh, you know that is that's not the only thing that makes it premium. And you know we, you've had Legra, and I've said uh, for me that's our premium car scale, but it's three point eight percent because it's got a load of hops in it that cost a lot of money. Um, so. I think they're wrong to focus on strength. Yeah, I think that was disappointing. And also, I mean, if you're going to say 4.2 and 7.5, you might as well just say cast beer. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you haven't actually left that many, <laughs> that much out, have you? Yeah. To be honest, at 4.2 up to 7.5. So just say cast beer. And yeah, premiumisation should not be relating directly yeah. to, 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 to the ABV. Because we know that if you do a small batch of a beer anyway, versus a big batch, the chance it's cost you more to do your small batch. Yeah. And you may have thrown a bit more at it as well. Time, money, effort, hops, sure. yeah. whatever it might be. So yeah, I have to admit, I, I thought, that, I thought uh, that was an odd one for them to say that one. Yeah. Well, let, let's get into some views because we took premiumisation and, and, and thanks to the chaps at Rhythm and Brews, we posed it as this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was simply can cask beer pre- be premiumised? Now, I think we're going to start struggling with that word. We are. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon in a couple of beers' time, there's a good chance of it. Um, but it was a simple yes or no. Uh, 354 votes, 60% of people said yes, 40% of people said no. So, close-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a, was a landslide victory mm-hmm. for, for the yes movement there. Um, now, before we go any further... If, if anybody's wondering what premiumisation is, I've got a dictionary definition. Go for it. As, as, as well. So, um, basically, it's the action or process of attempting to make a brand or product appeal to consumers by emphasising its superior quality and exclusivity. Now, I don't think there's anybody that we know, that either listens to the show or we know in person, that would argue that cask can potentially be superior to keg beer. Agreed. So that definition in itself is, is lending itself to cast beer being well, premiumised. The big boys have been doing it for years. Stella, reassuringly expensive. Yeah. Yeah. They've had it as a tagline. Yeah. They've actually told us they're charging us more. Mm-hmm. Peroni, as you say, I mean, ever since that appeared in the pubs in their fancy glasses, has always had a premium attached to it, hasn't it? Budweiser, king of beers. Yeah. And yet, you know... You spend. You can buy that really cheap in a supermarket, but again, if you're out and about, not so cheap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people have been premiumising. Premiumising. Can't say it now. <laughs> Ding. There's the first one. <laughs> but, but less in cask. I yeah. mean, there's been fewer examples in cask. Oh yeah. I, mean, I think uh, I'd probably an example of something like Timothy Taylor Landlord, where I'm, I, mean, I know that that's an expensive beer for land for pub landlords to buy. Yeah. Uh, and so that is about a brewery going, no, that, this is a really good product and you know, we, it has a bit of a cachet, so we're going to, um, and, and when it's kept well, it's a good beer. It's yeah, yeah, but they but also you can, say you it's... Get various, you know, I've had various pints of... T- yes, exactly, because that can be notoriously time. hard to look after. Yeah. That, that yeah. is one which you do need to get bang on. But yeah, I've heard that as well, but they say, no, this is going to be what we're charging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, okay, should we get into some of these comments then? Well, should we do ours? Should we do ours? Uh, um, first, because otherwise okay. we'll forget one. We'll forget, uh, but yeah, I can't even say the word, so yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I personally think that, yes, you can. I think it's a hard march to that particular place. Cloudwater's been mentioned once or twice. Obviously, they moved away from cars a couple of years ago, citing all the issues we've already spoken about. Yeah. Then they came back in and said, actually, we do want to be back into this market. We are going to produce these types of beers. We're only going to put them into places that we know and trust and are recommended. Basically, that implies to me, says to me implicitly, if they don't deliver it the way we want it to, they're going to pull it and you're never having it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's their element of keeping the control over it. But as long as I've been drinking, so back to the mid to late 80s, cask has always been a cheaper option yeah. on the bar. So whatever else you were going for, maybe cider might be the same price once, probably isn't now. Um, everything else was more expensive. Cask was always the cheaper option. So there's multiple generations have got used to cask being the cheaper option on the bar. Regardless of how much they think it's worth, it's the cheaper option. So I don't know how you move past that myself. I think it might, it might be something about uh, as demography moves on. Because I, I mean, my theory is that uh, the reason why cask is the cheapest is, is that the the main demographic group that drinks cask beer, which is old gits like me, uh, go what three fifty a pint, you know, and so they're keeping it there. And and the main demographic group that drinks so-called craft beer on keg are younger people who don't think anything outrageous that if it's a five a pint, there's your one pound fifty difference. Uh, and I, if if those craft drinkers are going to age and and like cask beer, I don't think they'll they'll bet an idea that the price is moving closer together. Um, and obviously, the old kids will not be there drinking forever. No, that's true. But I think the only thing about that is that again, it wouldn't take long for each generation to get used to it being the cheaper option. Absolutely. So I agree with you. But if you get yeah, used yeah. to it being a cheaper option, then automatically in your head, yeah, because well, then. Yeah. The people who only produce keg don't want their product to be whatever the opposite of being pre-market. I can't say it. It's gone. <laughs> so they don't want their product to, to, to see like it's gone down. So yeah. you don't want this constant competition either. But I agree with you. I think the principle from what you're saying is correct. But again, you need to catch them pretty early in their yeah. drinking careers. So they get sure. used to those prices. And it's, well, it's about the venue as well, isn't it? So, I mean, in your backstreet local pub... Um, then yes, you're going to go. You're going to walk in there. You're going to see uh, what Doom Bar, Green King IPA, um, Marston's Pedigree, um, London cry. Pride. <laughs> you know they're going to they're, they're be there, and and you know they've brewed a high volume uh, of those beers, and and maybe that's way that way you can get to meet that that sort of price target if they want to keep it low. But if you you know you go to the local places in Southend, the West Road Taps and uh, yep. and uh, Mile and a Thirds, where um, new drinkers go, and they don't expect to see it at those price. They don't expect to see those beers that I mentioned. They expect to see different ones on cask, uh, and they don't expect those those cheap prices either. Um, one of the places we've had more difficulties with are uh, 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 clubs that are keen on beer where there is quite a discerning palette and a lot of the people that go in the clubs, I'm mean, talking about sports clubs and working men's clubs, um, but, they, but they've nailed their colours to the K 
can't be more than £2.95 a pint. Yeah. Uh, well, that's this, really challenging for us. This came up on the recent River and Brews podcast that they did with Three Sods Brewery, who are based in the basement of a working men's club. Right. Um, so they've got limited capacity in terms of what they can actually brew. So they've yeah. got a fairly small mash tun, which only allows them to get their beers up to a certain ABV. Yeah. Um, but that ABV suits the environment where essentially their beers are served from their tap yeah. rather than the beers that go out into the market. But they're still saying, even even with the fact that they're brewed in the basement, they're still struggling to, with quality ingredients. They're still yeah. struggling to sell them a premium upstairs. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. What, what, so, what's your thinking, Steve? I'm, I'm exactly the same point of view as you. I, I think, I think it can be premiumised, but I, I think you've got a generation of drinkers that, that won't go over a certain threshold for cast beer in terms of what they're prepared to pay for it. They won't pay any more than three fifty a pint for it. Um, and and I think until we start changing views and opinions and and people's spending habits, that actually. This, this cask beer has, has, has been produced of exactly the same ingredients as this keg beer. So, uh, assuming when you produce Legra on, on cask don't. and keg, yep. it's exactly the same, same recipe. Beer, same uh, goes from the same brew, goes into different so, so So, yeah. why should the cask be any cheaper just because it's cask? It shouldn't be, because it's yeah. exactly the same ingredients. Absolutely. I'll turn it to the, go back to spoons. I know there's a lot of us who maybe aren't fans of spoons and maybe even less so these days. But it's the only, of all the taps they have on, it's the only one which always advertises the price. It's yeah. the cast taps. Yeah. Your 215 or 199 or whatever it might be. Nothing else on the front is advertised as price, the whereas the cask is. So it's already telling you, as soon as you walk in the door, these are the cheapest alcoholic drinks mm-hmm. we sell. Nothing else is cheaper alcohol-wise than these. Yeah. And it's advertising in front and centre. So you're already starting off with that, it's low base. And spoons have what? Roughly about nine hundred outlets. So it's a hell of a lot of people who've already seen that that price yeah. point for those beers. Yeah, but a, a lot of those people are the sort of people that are never going to pay a five or a pint for Doombot. Does anyone ever pay five pound well, a pint for Doombot? I want to meet that person. You should never pay <laughs> any money for Doombot. Let's be honest. Uh, let's let's see what some of uh, our, our listeners thought. For so uh, John Porter at Pie and Pint. Pie and a pint, sorry. Uh, the message yeah. from the cask report is really clear. Operators have to take cask out of pubs that can't sell it. Breweries have to stop selling cask to pubs that don't look after it. And we all have to be ready to pay more for it. Otherwise, it will be dead inside a decade. I was there. There were a lot of mixed messages. E.g. E. Seba saying that every pub can sell cask with the right support, which is bollocks. The stats in the report show that drinkers are exiting cask in large numbers because one, quality is iffy, and two, there are other options. And there are more options than there used to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we've we've if we want to use the phrase craft keg or modern keg keg yeah. beers, a lot of these places do have them as mm-hmm. alternatives now, don't they? Yeah, and and it's interesting that he's saying there that that the zebra are working seem to be working against it, almost against what what's being said in the cast report, which is um, maybe for something for us to bear in mind for our next show. Yes. As, 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 as well uh, Matthew Curtis at Total Curtis I think the important takeaway from me is that some cask should be premiumised consumers deserve a range of cask products at a range of fair prices that also trickles down in the chain so it is fair to retailer distro brewer farmer etc so it's a map there saying that maybe it's not something across the board but like we've already cited a couple of times Cloudwater as the example saying we're going to do this but 
you're going to pay for it. You're going mm-hmm. to pay. Yeah. You're going to pay the price that this is worth. It's just whether people understand the difference. Are you saying about? Doom bars done in quantity, pedigrees done in quantity, Green King IPAs done in quantity. So therefore, they can. We all know economies of scale lends yeah. itself to them being able to sell it to the retailers at a reduced price. Therefore, they can still make a margin, but not charge as much. So if you say to the average punter, you have three of those on it. Let's just say three pound, three pound a pint for an easy bit of numbers. But Clarebrook is five pound a pint. I know exactly what I'd do. I'd spend the two pound more. Yeah. But how many, it depends how many other people in that particular place yeah. will do the same. I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate there for a minute with you because you, you mentioned obviously the three big brands that probably most people see regularly. Ghost ships produced in big quantity. Yep. Um, would you ever think twice about ordering ghost ship at a bar? And would you, is, is there an upper limit that you would ever pay for ghost ship? Right, I barely think once when I see ghost ship. <laughs> I just order it. <laughs> and then I find out the price. Um, I don't. No one ever wants to feel ripped off, but if I it also depends on the type of place I am. But if if Adams took that decision, uh, whereby they said that, as far as they were concerned, they'd never really been making the right amount of money off it for a quality product, I'd still pay for that. I mean, and to be honest, uh, some of the Adams beers are sold in some of the Fuller's pubs near me at work. I'm not. I'm not paying short. I'm not paying much less than a fiver anyway. So again, I'm used to paying a fiver in London. Yeah. Is the only reason why I shouldn't pay it elsewhere. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared it, it, to pay. It is trying to make it, you know, within, you know, you can, you can compare like one manufacturer, Green King, and another manufacturer, Cloudwater. But it, for us, you know, we face it as a single manufacturer of two different products that cost different amounts to make. So, and we, so that's why, as I said, we've deliberately made a golden ale the same strength as Legra. And I know, I can tell you, that um, Kersal Gold is 35 pence per litre cheaper to produce than Legra. So Legra is our premium. This is 3.8%, because of course 3.9%. And if you if you just want half a dozen pints at a low price because you want to quench your thirst, Kersal Gold's great beer. If you want to taste some proper hops, then those hops cost mm-hmm. money. You know, and that's the so we've got those two golden beers on our price list for publicans and they go that one costs that, that one costs that. And we say, yeah, and that's why. Because that, that's and what... And you have pre- to explain that. Yeah, a yeah. Premium, that, that's premiumisation. That, and people know the reason why, you know. Not just... That's a fantastic example. It's of, an excellent of, of example. what it is, yeah. It's an excellent example. Um, from Alexander at Teal Brewer. Not sure you could with old brands, but new brands could. Though again, once again, they need to be kept properly every time for it to maintain their image. The, that, and that's that was definitely a common theme throughout a lot yeah, of the comments as yeah, well. It is that the, the vagaries of how a cast beer can be delivered to the person who's actually paying for it. Uh, from Tom Tapped at Tom underscore Tapped, and also a similar comment from Jim Jill Beer at Jim Jill Beer. It's too late now. Can't have years of it being the cheapest pint in the spoons, regardless of quality, to suddenly ask you for four to five quid for it. Would only serve to alienate a large section of the loyal ordinary drinker fan base which is sort of what yeah. I was sort of is that, is that the case though I mean I don't a, agree a, with a, that again because they're looking at um, all cask being premium and that isn't what this is about you know so so I, well, I don't think that's what it's about because you know the example I just used is about having a, you know a standard bitter it's cheap for us to make you know much cheaper than, than hoppy beer so it's about horses for courses really I don't think it's too late at all you know that, that's defeatist talk. I, I, I think I'm always going to expect 
to pay less for beer in spoons than, yeah. than I am if I go into well, any other pub. Punk, as you mentioned the other week. Yeah. Punk in Brew Dog, six quid. Punk in Little Spoons, just over three quid. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, st- I still don't understand. That, that's how. a massive difference. Yeah, I don't it? understand the business model there. No, that's a, that's I, a massive I, I, difference. I don't. Uh, from Stephen A. Kane at Socrates 9. I don't understand why it isn't considered premium. From what I understand, it takes more work and effort to get it right over keg, but it's nearly always cheaper on the bar. And then from somebody who knows maybe a little bit about cast beer. <laughs> Just a touch. Yeah. From John Keeling at Fuller's John. You can, but you have to guarantee quality and make it special. Also, I think I did an article in the Brewer's Guardian about this. Um, and John did go on, so if anyone wants to look up under, under the poll, John did have a few more comments after there was a bit of back and forth with some other people expanding on what he'd spoken about. But again, a lot of it was going back to how it's delivered to the consumer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know, that's where that's where cask falls down so often, is that you can you can still go to somewhere and go right. I'm going to have that. But I know we keep using cloud water, but it's a very good example. I'm going to have that pint of cloud water. I'm prepared to pay that five pound, and it's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's put it down to unlikely to be cloud water. So. Therefore, somewhere along after it's left them to the time I've got it, someone somewhere hasn't done the right thing, but I've still handed over money and I've got an undrinkable pint. And yes, it can happen. We've, we've had bad lagers if the lines aren't pulled pulled through correctly. But with cars, there's more chance of it happening if people don't look after it, don't keep the temperature right, don't maybe even have a little taste of it in the morning, that kind of stuff, and, and check to see if it's actually okay. Have a drink of it. Should I serve it? We were in, we've been in the Vic when they've done it at opening time. Yeah, they'll pull them all through and they'll taste them. Yeah, yeah. Is well, it still well, good? Just, just here tonight, Ian. You've because you've not been open since Saturday. Uh, yeah, that's right. And and every beer you're serving us, you're you're I'm taking a, a, a drawer in into a jug first and, and throwing it away before you're serving us the beer because yeah. you don't want us to have the, the stuff that's the been pint. sat in yeah. the line for the last forty eight hours. Yeah, and that's that's quite right. I mean, before we go on, we have both finished <laughs> the Bohemian pills <laughs> now. Um, just incredible again third, third beer in a row and it's not just because you're sat oh, here you. <laughs> um, it's just so drinkable um, full of flavour full of body Isn't it's got it? a lovely mouthfeel yeah it's got a big to, body to, for, to, for to a pilsner isn't it yeah um, y- you know you know you're drinking something um, the finish is just beautiful though that that kind of it's soft isn't it yeah soft straw notes grass dry bitterness it's, it's all there for me and again it's it's, it's one that on, on a summer's day which feels like they're long gone for, for this year now <laughs> definitely feels um, like it's gone today that would have been absolutely perfect so yeah. in, incredible incredible Good job we got, that actually, uh, we got two or three kegs left then and uh, a couple of them off to a mile and a third in the uh, okay, uh, cool. so local beer another new beer uh, we have got the Crowstone Black IPA now. That's it. Which we're very excited about. Very excited about this. Um, I've only had it on cast before. Okay, should we have a taste and, and then um, yeah. Ian can tell us all about it. Cheers. Cheers. Right, so uh, Crowstone name-wise, it's the obelisk in the, in the estuary at Chalkwall, um, marking the end of the uh, Port of London just, um Jurisdiction back to the 1200s or something like that. So that's why it's called Crowstone. Oh, really? Can you see that um, from Chalkwell then? Yeah, on the beach, basically. Just about, it's about, it's about 50 yards in, into, the, into the mud okay. uh, at low tide. Um, and there you can see the little obelisk in the... Um, in, in the 
Okay, mine are open for that. Branding. Yeah. yeah, do that. Um, so we really want to do a black IPA, one of my favourite beer styles, and uh, hopefully. Um, but you're drinking a bottle version of this now because we don't happen to have it on, on keg or cask here at the moment. And hopefully you're getting a whack of hops from it as well as some nice malt. Steve, as the Dipper <laughs> comeback lead along with that from Andy Parker, what do you think? Uh, I absolutely love it. It's it's spot on in, in terms of the style. For, for me, it's, it, it is, it's, it's hop forward. Um, there's those piney notes that you kind of associate with the black IPA hops. There's a little bit of citrus, some, some light berries going on around there. Then there's a little bit of roastedness in, in the middle and then it finishes bitter. Yeah. It doesn't finish roasted. The roasty doesn't hang. No, and, and, and for me, that's where, that's where a black IPA goes wrong. If the roastedness hangs around and is on the finish, then that's just a hoppy stout or a or hoppy if porter. if it starts to come up a bit too, too yeah. early as well. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, the first thing I got was hops straight away both aroma and on the flavour and like I said I had this before so this was the one I referred to earlier saying I had it on Gravity Pour at Rochford last year and I'm getting a lot more from this bottle conditioned right. beer than I yeah. did on the Gravity Pour no disrespect it was still yeah, my beer of the yeah. day at Rochford last year yeah. but again the festival starts on a Thursday I was on there on the Saturday so it's maybe had yeah. a couple of days maybe a bit of, bit of air in there air yeah. in there and yeah. stuff um, I mean this is lovely condition it's got a nice two finger head on, the, head on it as well it's delicious it's, it is absolutely stunning. This is getting an upgrade from the on the attack <laughs> score because you're uh, you're moving in the right direction beer wise as well, aren't you? Just getting into a bit of. Uh Oh, we're, we're building yeah. towards something <laughs> here. We're building towards a crescendo on a Monday night recording. As people know, what could go wrong? Yeah. Uh, a few more comments then. So Pete Brown at Pete Brown Beer. Uh, put it this way, premiumization is a constant. It's happening all the time. It's a basic function of late stage capitalism. Either some cask figures out a way to premiumize or cask becomes and remains a niche product. Yeah. And we know what Pete Brown has been a big advocate of. He's always been a massive, good, ca- yeah. good cast, but served right because he's had yeah. plenty of times when he's either done a piece or had a rant about a place which is serving it awfully. Yeah. Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. No, because these days sellermanship is a skill in decline, and therefore buying cask ale is a Russian roulette. You can't premiumise a product that is so hit and miss in quality these days. What do you reckon? I mean, I think it's actually that is it's, the, that it's is quite a hard point to disagree with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is the threat, and so I mean, we know, and it's it's tough if you're a small brewer, particularly, but you need to try and keep hold of your product as it goes into someone else's cellar. So, you know, telling them, I mean, we we write on it if, if it's not quite ready to drink yet. It's got a few days before it's going to reach uh, uh, its its uh, proper condition. We 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 will we'll tell that on the label. Try and talk to them, and if you can, and as hardship as it is, try and go into that pub, if, if it's local, obviously, and drink it. Drink your own beer, um, and and have that hard conversation with them if it's if it's been on too long. You know, I mean, as your right. pubs are local, if you need someone to go around and test them, <laughs> you're not the first person. <laughs> to Give me a that. shout. <laughs> Uh, Sophie at So Beer Blogger. I feel this would alienate and discourage a lot of cask ale drinkers. I dis- I agree that the quality is important, but price shouldn't be expensive. So it just so it sits above macro beer. It should be reflective of the brewing retail chain. Pubs should be better at supporting without penal- penalising customers. I'm not sure how you can do both though. No, I'm not. I, I get I get I get what Sophie's saying yeah. there. But it's a very difficult balance That'd to strike. That'd be a very fine line to try and support and not 
penalise to yeah. use, use yeah. her choice of words. Yeah, no, I mean it has to be better, doesn't it? I mean, in other words, there's no if if it, if it is the same as doing Barn Green King IPA, then it's not premium, and you can't charge more for it. Yeah. But if it is better, then you know, well, if hops uh, it's a subjective been, thing. If, if hops have been involved in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, like you said, it's, it, it must be frustrating for you as a brewer because you know you've, you've done your job yeah. in, in terms of, I've made this product, I've made it to the best of my abilities and I know it's a good product when it leaves my brewery. It must then be frustrating for it to end up in a pub that just hasn't looked after it. Yeah. And, and then you get the blame for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you try and have individual relationships with your customers, as as we try to do, obviously as we get bigger and we do more through wholesalers, then that becomes difficult, impossible. But at the moment, we do have pretty much one-to-one relationships with the pubs that sell our beer, and so it is achievable. Is that where you almost need to have potentially a dual business model for the cask beers? Maybe yeah. that doesn't go wholesale. Yeah. And that's where you still have your one-to-one relations yeah. and then again to trust it. Yeah. And it's your keg lines and your bottles and maybe any future canning. That's where you can perhaps bring that into the wholesale world. Yeah. Especially if they have, you know, they look after it and it's chilled and stuff. Again, it doesn't mean it'd be right, but they can still, it can still go wrong, yeah. but there's less chance of it. Yeah, well, unless there's a, there's a wholesale, a premium wholesale model as well, because, you know, we know there are different sorts of oh, pubs, yeah. you know, so... Um, and, and, and different sorts of wholesalers serve those specialist places where quality is not, uh, you know, poor quality isn't acceptable. I mean, I, I know that if I ever was, forgive me, if I, I was daft enough to start a brewery, <laughs> I'm not sure, I because as Steve knows, I'm, I'm a car start, that's where I start off. I go into a pub, look at cars first. Mm-hmm. And if there's sank on there, then that's where Same. I stick. Um, I don't know if I'd actually do cars though. Because of all the reasons that have yeah, been cited yeah. here, because yeah. I'd still want it's to hard make, work, I, isn't it? It's hard work, and I still wanted to make a turn on it. Yeah. I'm still wanting to make some money on it, yeah. but I also don't want people coming back to me and saying your beer was a bit shit. Now, if they find a beer but they don't like the style, fine. But yeah. as long as it's been delivered in the style it was meant to be. But yeah. if I've got to trust other people, that element of control that you lose, which is why having the tap room must be so gratifying for you. Yeah, except that. We can't sell cask here all year because we haven't yet afforded a proper decent seller. So really, um, through the summer, through the heat of the summer, we haven't been serving cask. We've got it back on now because in the autumn we can get away with it. But we put, we're only open um, Friday, Saturday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and we put a cask on on a, on a Thursday for the Friday and. Uh, for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then on Monday we throw it out, you know, because we're not going to serve it the second week. No, because yeah. it's not, it's not uh, going to yeah. be. So we can default. We cannot. I mean, we may not sell it all, but as a brewer, we can afford to do that because um, we haven't paid, you know, the retail price yeah. for the cask. But so we have to make sure the quality is all here, you know. Yeah, and therefore you can't you can't serve your own beer here and expect anyone else to take any flack for it apart from you. No, exactly. <laughs> One way or another, it's it's come about five meters, hasn't it? it? In terms of its journey, Um, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. That depends on how many customers there are and their disposable income. At three thirty a pint, I visit my local every week and have a few pints. At five pound a pint, I would have to cut back. Not a problem for the pub if there are enough customers more flush than me. But if too many cut down, then it could be a problem. And again, it, it does come back down to that making your choice between well, every sort of premium product. You know, do you buy the own brand stuff when you go yeah. into the supermarkets versus 
the brand stuff. Yeah. You know, do you buy the Sainsbury's beans versus the Heinz beans? That but it, I don't know why I, I, I know that I look at it, it is, it is less is more if, if it's quality. So if you use you know, three and four pound a pint as the comparators, would you rather have um, four pints of pretty ropey beer at three pound or three pints of very good beer at four pound? It's no contest for me. You know, I'm healthier for having had a pint less and I've enjoyed it more and it yeah. still cost me 12 quid. Yeah, I, mean, I know where I'm going on that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be the same on that one. Um, a few more comments here. So from Phil Fuggled at Phil Fisson, I think, I don't know, or Philip Sisson. I think Philip Sisson. Philip yeah. Sisson. There can and should be a broader range of cars from what's available now, which is mostly great but limited by the expected price margin to stuff that doesn't make sense at that price point. More hocks, longer conditioning, it's too special to lose and needs to evolve. I definitely agree with that last bit. I mean, it is, again, we've said it before, we are still a pretty unique country for having Absolutely. this particular type of product. And we know that when brewers from around the world come over here, one of the first things they're looking for is a, a pint of Harvey's yeah. or something like that. Because yeah. that, for them, that's almost like the pinnacle yeah. of brewing or maybe a landlord because yeah. they've known about these beers mm. for so long. And some of these beers have inspired generations now a couple of generations and some massive beer styles so yeah it's too special to lose but we can only it can only be special if it remains a quality product those ones that absolutely are quality product. yeah yeah uh, from james at james moosh it's tricky because you can't premiumize e.g burning sky bitter without molson cause being able to do the same thing for doombar and spend a lot more on marketing I don't think the entire category is or should be premium, but there should be acceptance that some cast beer can be a bit dearer and it's worth it for the higher quality. Which I think sort of echoes what you've been saying. It's what what would be town reasoning, isn't it? Yeah. One of the brilliant (laughs) marketing achievements of Doombar is that they've sort of persuaded a lot of people that it is a premium product. Yeah, and it's from Cornwall. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the reasons they, that, they, that they've achieved it. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, they're persuaded that it's from Cornwall. Yeah. 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 No, they're, 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 they're marketing-wise, they've done a brilliant job. Yeah. So, last couple. Joe Hill at Multiplex Rant, and there was a similar comment from James at Gammon Barron. Yes, on a small scale, small scale, and no on a broad scale. Cloudwater, who we've already mentioned, are a good recent and lonely example of a brewery have done this on a lot on a small scale but to be honest mostly it's a no to this it's too big a change so he's a bit of accepting that he sort of agrees you, you should yeah but, but it's on a small scale it's feeling that perhaps it's very hard to yeah i wonder if in the next year as a, as, as a result of this report we will see more breweries doing a cloud water for want of a better phrase in terms of saying yes we'll, we'll, we'll produce cask but you're going to buy it from us at the value that it's worth. You're not taking it any cheaper than that. And you will sell it at a premium in relation to the keg. Yeah, because they don't want to become a lost leader either. There's no point in then Cloudwater selling it for £30 a, a cast more than usual, but then the place then undercutting it anyway yeah. as a lost leader. Yeah. That's no help because you're not still bringing that premium no. to, to it, are you? But that, that's the funny thing about you saying... Um, uh, punk IPA being sold three pound in spoons and six pound by Brewdog seems to me they're diminishing their own brand if if they're letting uh, spoons oh, yeah. at that price. Well, I don't think their brand is beyond. I <laughs> say let's let's be honest. That's a different conversation, but I <laughs> yeah. disagree with that. But I find it. I do struggle to buy punk IPA in Brewdog now. Yeah, 
It's no, not for them I, 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 I struggled the other week and I had one because I felt as though I have to, but it, it hurt because I was paying double the amount from what I've paid for the last six months well, to even, a year even at, for, for, yeah. for it. Even at the airport, it's cheaper than buying it at Brudel. That's, that's shocking. That's, <laughs> that, that, I didn't know that, but that is absolutely yeah, shocking. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and sort of to close off this, from Toy House Brewery at Toy House Brew. I haven't read the report, however I hope poor cask beer is eliminated and therefore what's left is all premium. Good cask beer should be the norm, not the exception. And I think that's a wonderful sentiment to finish on. Absolutely. And as always, if you've got any views on what you've heard, uh, use the hashtag opinions. You can go into the show notes. You can click on the, the, the link to the question itself. You can see everybody's responses to that. And if you still want to get involved, use that hashtag opinions and you may very well appear in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. First up, we've got Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia, um, who's going back a long way. He's still going back through old Beer O'Clock Show episodes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Ian, what this guy's been doing, a yep. uh, fan of the show, we've both met him, lovely bloke, does a bit of homebrewing. He's actually gone back to the start of the Beer O'Clock adventure. So Steve started in 2012. So he's been going through the back catalogue. Yeah. And yeah. what is he up to? Number 149. 149. <laughs> in, in, in total... In, in terms of what, what I did with podcasts before Martin came on board and yeah. what I've done since, we're at about 300-odd oh, really? episodes now. So yeah. this is a hell of a task that, that, that Sean has taken on. So Hop Topic <laughs> from Beer O'Clock Show 149, that was the uh, precursor to opinions. Um, is it okay to release a beer that isn't right? Last summer, I had a New England IPA from a local brewery that turned out to be a great lemon goes. Subsequent releases have been as intended. I actually preferred the one that went wrong. <laughs> um, just, just a question for you, if, Ian. If you, if, you, if you brewed a beer here that you knew something had gone wrong with, yeah. would, would you still put it out? Or, or, or would you take the hit and say, we, we, we actually can't well, afford it? Depends, to do depends that. what you mean by gone wrong, uh, to be honest with you. So if. Um, it sounds like this was still a good beer. It sounds like someone stuck the wrong label on it in this instance. <laughs> yeah. Could be as innocent as that. But um, which which I can understand how that can happen in, in a brewery if you don't label it on you know, as you as you're brewing. But um, we would never it would be pointless to release a beer which we didn't think was of high quality. I mean it's just self damaging. So we absolutely would take the hit and, and throw it away. We haven't had to do that yet, I should say. Um, but if we're experimenting and um, you know we're be- the beer turns out and it's of good quality and good taste, it might not have hit the style absolutely nailed it. Um, what we'd probably do is is sell that, you know, ho- hope for some re- reasonable comments about it, even if they're saying, "Oh, it doesn't really taste like whatever black IPA, whatever." Uh, and then we tweak tweak the recipe a bit. So yeah. we, you know, we certainly for the first two, two, three, or four iterations of any one beer, we're always tweaking the hop and malt balance and stuff like that um but but no so 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 yeah always sell it if it's a good beer but um but it, it never ever do that if it's if it's not mm-hmm. i'm going to read out the next comment because this isn't the only feedback we've had on this bit so so from mark at kel fired uh-oh beer o'clock show hold the wrong opinion i'm just going to stop there really 
on the. T- I'm biting my tongue yeah, here. But I also know there's more to come. So on the two halves versus pints price debate, we can't just say a business can't take these factors into consideration when they absolutely should. I simplify my argument and hopefully convince you. Let's say it costs one pound to clean a pint glass and pay the server to fill it. Let's say it's 80p for a half glass. You then need to fill that with beer, which is a set price per unit. So let's say it's three pound for a half. So a half is three pound 80 and a pint is seven pound. Ta-da. No, no. I'm going to say, I'm going to refer you to Mr. Johnson's recent blog post, which link will be in the show notes. Yeah. But but no, still I'm I'm still I'm still not having this because that you can't take into account the what it costs to pay the server and to clean the glass and to have everything ready. That 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 server is there because they are contracted to work from X time to Y time. That's their job. To, to do that. Well, I'll put it another way. I'll quite happily serve myself if you let me. Yeah. So, so you and therefore you don't pay him anything. You can't factor that into it. The dishwasher will run regardless of how many half pints or pint glasses are in it. It's still going to cost that cost to run. So absolutely not. No. The, 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 the price of half a pint of beer should be half the price of a pint of beer it's it's as simple as that Agreed. and i'm not finished i know you're not i'm not because men behaving badly <laughs> you're wrong as as well you can't you can't say that we were wrong because we're not wrong on this one we're absolutely not wrong half a pint of beer should be half the price of a pint of beer we're sat in a tap room now where I'm looking... You've looked at the price uh, list. I've looked the at the board and every half pint is exactly half the price of a pint. So it is. And the two, price of two-thirds is two-thirds, except for rounding. Um, yeah, so I can't, I can't do the maths on that <laughs> Yeah, one. we've always tried to do the, round, the maths on that one. But no, the, the half pint is definitely half the price of a pint. Um, and although uh, on the last show, I'm happy with the odd bit of rounding. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But I'll take I'll take a little bit of rounding. Essentially, I, I would take that. Essentially, there are times when I only want to have a half pint of a drink, and I shouldn't have to pay more for it. But I've had and lost this argument, uh, particularly with Will at the West Road Tap, who who has persuaded me, almost beaten me up, and said, "No, a half cost half of what a pint should cost. That's what drinkers expect." Okay, and he's and at, I'm, he's I'm at a tap room that. selling bit selling cars yeah. for gravity. And, and I, was at, I was at the Vic Inn last week in, in, in Colchester and I was chatting to Rich, who, who's the manager there, and he was saying exactly the same. He was like, he was like no, all of our half, half pints are half the price of the pint of that beer. That's, that's just how it is. I think it's a hard argument to, to go against. You factor in your costs. I liken it to when I go on to online to buy a, a ticket of some kind, don't tell me the tax, just tell me the final price. Well, 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 you well, factor in the rest of it yourself. Just give me the I, final price. I think this is one that's going to run and, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and run and run. Yeah, because all the people who who, uh, who are wrong will come back to us anyway. And, and say they were right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. It, it will continue. But I, I would say, as, as you said right at the start there, um, Mark Johnson put out a great post yes. that, that, that summed up some of my, well, all of my feelings, it would it would seem. And there'll be a link to that in, in the show notes as well. 
Um, so next up, and, and we'll, just, we'll just sit and we'll wait for, for more comments coming on that one. Um, next up uh, from Discomrobulated at Discomrobulated. Uh, just finished the podcast and now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head for hours. Which I uh, believe was uh, Living, on a, Living on a Prayer, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we always try and put a, a song at the end of the show that kind of ties into something that's happened in the show. Um, I was struggling with, with the last show over the whole half pint pint thing. Um, and I was like, well, half, oh, we're halfway there. Oh, oh, we're living on a prayer. <laughs> and, and, and there it was, straight away. Um, and from Glenn Davis, who inspired the last show anyway with his piece he'd done. Uh, really enjoyed that, guys. Thanks for including me. Good to broaden the argument out. And I thank you, Glenn, for, for letting us run with it. Really enjoyed that. Uh, from Adam Nicholson, Adam Nish of the Sheffield Hotcast. I know this is late to the party, but just seen this from a recent Sheffield Wednesday game and thought you might like. Two halves of Formbridge Wednesday IPA and a separate pint glass, please. So basically, the picture of the board had half pints at £2 yep. and a pint at £4.80. Yeah, makes no sense. Someone got something wrong that day. That's an error. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's definitely an error, but I would have suggested exactly the same thing he did. And I I just would have been buying half pints. I would have been buying the half pints all night long. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And finally, in this section, from Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike, a while back you did a piece on glassware. Well, that was a few shows ago. That was with River and Brews. We are all guilty of a magpie moment. Check out what one of the pubs in Lincoln is up to. Um, and so, again, what, what they've been doing is um, basically saying, buy a drink and you can take away the glass with you. Yeah, because it was, uh, they, they linked it into Freshers Week. Yeah. So university students coming back and they were saying, if you buy a pint, you can buy that glass at the yeah. same time. We've got loads to get rid of and then you can take it away. Yeah. So every time you buy a pint, you can have the glass brilliant. and you can take it away. Brilliant idea. And you can keep it Especially in. Especially for Freshers Week, isn't it? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely brilliant Absolutely idea. brilliant. Thanks again for everyone who carries on getting involved in this section of the show. It just it just kind of keeps things running, yeah, doesn't it? And it, it kind of keeps keeps content going as uh, as well. Um, we've both finished the Crowstone it's Black glorious, IPA, isn't it? Uh, it? It's absolutely bang on for, for me in terms of style yeah. wise. Yeah. Again, the, the one thing that seems to be consistent with all your beers, Ian, is is that mouthfeel and that body. They're they're all you know you've got you know you're drinking something. Well, you know you're drinking beer. Yeah. So I know sometimes we've said about some of the lighter beers, whether that be the lower ABV or the non-alcoholic beers, yeah. but you, the bit which is a consistent a lot of the time is the, the, the mouthfeel in the body is the one thing that's so A hard. consistent ingredient for, for that is um, all of our beers use uh, a percentage of torrified wheat, which Tom, the expert brewer that you know, did our original recipes, said head retention and mouthfeel. Um, a percentage of torrified wheat in there gives you that, and that's Never knew that. common with all of our beers. How's that for an insight? Yeah, it's fantastic. And I've not been brewing long enough to know whether that's rubbish or fat, but uh, that is the reason for that ingredient. And I that's, think that's, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, and, and like I said, that's been the one consistent. Yeah, through, through, well, through we've noticed it all the way through, yeah. haven't we? We've had some questions from uh, our listeners and from Twitter for you, Ian, which is uh, something we do with all of our guests. Sure. Uh, we get people to ask some questions. And the first question is uh, from Tom uh, Tapped at Tom underscore Tapped. And that is, are there any bl- uh, any plans to barrel age the SS9? Oh, this is obviously the one that was sent in by my mum. Um, because, yes, there are. And uh, more than that, we've, we've actually done that um, already. 
so we have a very limited edition um, bottle run of uh, barrel-aged SS9 uh, aged in a first-use Speyside whiskey barrel. Um, so, yeah, and uh, you might find you've got some of that in front of you right now. Well, we just well, happen to have some. We do. So we have uh, very kindly you've given us the original SS9 off the t- in the tap, mm-hmm. and you've cracked open a bottle of the SS9 Speyside edition. So shall we try to uh, get into the keg I, version I, I first? I think we should try the, uh, the original. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Thank, Thank you, Ian, once again. So again, this is obviously keg, and it's served at, I don't know, maybe six, seven degrees. So there you go. That's just delicious. It's um, that doesn't drink anywhere near nine percent. No, no, what what people, are you doing? People say, <laughs> What that. are you doing it's here? It's the first thing I because when I had it in the tap room last summer, when me and Michelle came over, and that was the beer I finished off on, as yeah. you would. Yeah, and I was thinking to drink a pint of that. You could, though, you could easily you could order and drink yeah. a pint of that because without. it does not none of that alcohol burn at all. Yeah, hasn't really got roastiness of a stout either no, it's soft it's smooth bit of chocolate and yes. that, it's chocolate and coffee that I get yeah really, you know, and that's, that's like it and again you know we, you have it is off the keg so it's probably got a little bit warming up to do as well more of those flavours yeah, come sure. through but again for especially at least the other drinkable beers were in drinkable territory no yeah at 9% <laughs> at 9% this is danger juice so right here sure. we should probably then try the space side edition. We, we should. And I so, should say this is the first cheers. time I'm trying it as well. Oh, oh, that's brilliant. So that's quite scary. Uh, oh, there's definitely a few peaty whiskey yeah, notes there. Say, there's, there's, there's peatiness. You there. must be picking up the peat, yeah, mm. Steve, because Big you're time. that's not your favourite aroma. You're not, you're not keen on the peat. Uh, in whiskey terms, I'm not either. Um, that's why I prefer a Jameson's with the anthracite. Mm. Big peaty notes on the flavour as well for That's, me there. Yeah, yeah. I'm more a peaty whiskey guy anyway. Um, I'm finding quite a soft peaty nose and aroma and mm. a peaty flavour because sometimes with some of the ones we've had, we shared a couple of bottle shares, Steve, yeah. where the peat takes over because the beer isn't maybe big enough or robust yeah. enough to really do it. I mean, I, for, you're saying this is in the first, so this is done. The Speyside, and this is the first non-Speyside whiskey yeah. liquid going into it. That's well, so actually, we've, we've used it twice, so the, and I don't know which batch this yeah. is from. So, yeah, so the first and second use of I'm, it. I'm finding that, I mean, again, it's like anything. If you like it, those yeah. kind of aromas, you don't notice them as much anyway. But for me, I think that's really quite well balanced between the SS9 original and the Speyside as well. I think I think you can see hints of the original in in it. I, I think it's it, it's there. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm probably struggling a little bit more with the with, with the flavours on it. Mm. Um, oh, but obviously, I'm going to persevere. Oh, well done, Steve. With, with, oh, with it, I am. Yeah. What's 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 the ABV on on, on this it, one? It's, it should be nine. Oh, nine, nine, nine percent yeah. again, even, yeah. even though it's gone through the barrel aging. Yeah. Um, I, I I reserve judgment on that. Really, Mark Mark will actually probably. Uh, Try and determine the exact ABV, um, but it, you know it should be there or thereabouts. We think. I mean, it is it is very warming on the finish, and for for the night that we're recording on tonight, it's, not, it's, not, it's not kind of kind of what we need. Yeah. 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 Um, now Tom did have a second question as, mm-hmm. as as well. While we're sitting here, 
gloating at the fact that we're drinking the barrel aged SS9 <laughs> that he asked if there'd ever be. Um, and that was if there was any um, brewery in the UK that you could collaborate with, who would it be, why, and what style of beer would you brew? So why you answer this, I'm just going to drink your beer. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. I'm, I'm not sure I could come up with a single answer to that. Um, there's two sorts of, of collaborations in, in my opinion. There's one where where you sort of want to brew with you know, the guys that you get on with and you really like and sort of in a matey way and then there's um, there's where you probably want to learn from it and I'm probably more attached to doing the second of those um, so it would be those breweries that are knocking out what like really modern beers in cask form and that's what I'm drinking a lot of now so uh, had some Northern Monk at the weekend which was which was great uh, there's a brewery in uh, Brighton, uh, the beer that do the beer keller in Brighton, uh, beer house, uh, the beer house in Brighton. I can't remember the name of the brewery, but they're just knocking out great uh, for me. Uh, New England IPAs and West Coast IPAs, but in cask form, which I think shows them off to their best. Mm-hmm. So it'd be I'd, I'd want to learn from it, and I'd want to do something like that. So you got cloud water, and I think I've had some great Arbor beers that I'd be, you know, like to to uh, learn from. So but, is there a style you'd like to really? Yeah, it's do? for me. It's the really the hoppy hazy stuff. You know, I just think that's you know, New England IPAs. Um, I'm, I'm really loving them on cask more than I am on keg actually I, think. I, haven't had, I don't think I've had enough, no, no, no. enough of them on cask no to because comment. I tend to as, as a rule avoid them because yeah. it's, it's not a style that I enjoy ah right yeah. um, but, would you but actually on cask I'm now wondering if, if cask would lend itself to that style I love being soft and um, and what I for me I, when we've sort of played around with this it, it's very difficult to to end up with beer that doesn't taste oxidised and so I'd be interested in yeah, I think your leaf pepper at the uh, 4.8% yeah that potentially you could envisage that in cask yeah because it wasn't at the top end of the yeast forward New England sure. style of IPA yeah it was quite soft the aromas were very much those soft never fruits. done that in cask yeah, yeah and I yeah. think that in it that in cars could lend itself and yeah. again it comes in a, a nice percentage as well yeah whereas yeah, a lot of the percentage, yeah. keg New England IPAs tend to come in that, that often oh, 6% right. plus yeah. so it's sugary fruity yeasty yeah. whereas I thought there was a lot more balance about your one I could see, could see that one going in cask if yeah. you ever thought yeah. about it no, if, if you do it though don't ever do it to Allegra just, just leave that as it yeah. is because when 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 Buxton did it to Axe Edge it actually ruined the original for me right and I don't know if I've had the original since I had that version no, of it. No, I don't think I have, which, which is a shame. Yeah, I think there might be a point about this later yeah, on. Yeah. Um, next up, so this is from Joe Hill at Multiplex Rant. Uh, dorky question, where do you stand on fine-ins? I can give a very clear and coherent answer to that. Um, we do not use Isinglass. We never have used Isinglass. We use a veganly acceptable fine-in called... Brow Sol, I think. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, which I think is a silicate, which has the same, uh, yeah, it does the same job, um, but allows us to to say that our beers are vegan. So that's where we stand on finding. We only use those in cask. We don't use them in bottle or keg. Um, we just use auxiliary findings in the FV uh, for for bottle and keg. And okay, but again, you're not you you're not using isinglass. No. 
regardless. Yeah, regardless. Yeah. And your beers drop right. Yeah. So yeah, they may take, yeah. they possibly take a little bit longer uh, than than beers with ice and glass, but not hugely different. And we can, you know, on occasion, rack a beer up and it'll mm. drop in a few. Hopefully, minutes. it's on its way out. To be honest. Yeah, <coughs> I think it is. They, if you can find alternatives, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So our next question is from, guess what, Paul at UNRCD, number one fan. Is there any reason why Essex seems to be so far behind the craft beer scene, or is this a misconception? I don't know. I mean, you might know the answers to that more than I do. Um, are we behind the craft, uh, the, the, the curve, um, brewing-wise or drinking-wise? Um, the way I see... Uh, what Paul is getting at is that, say for example, someone who we follow on Twitter quite a lot, uh, Rachel, look at brew in Sussex. Sussex seems to have a really good mix of breweries who put out a really good range of styles and dispense. So cans, bottles, cask, keg, and the range of styles within those dispense methods. And and good beers. I, I would suggest and I think me and Steve have discussed this before that perhaps Essex is a lot more mainstream traditional yeah although strangely I think the oldest oldest Essex brewery is Crouch Vale that was set in the 1980s only you know not, not a real heritage yeah and they, you know they were definitely champion of some single hot beers in their time yeah, yeah. as well um, but, what, but what, 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 where do you stand because I would say that you're quite forward thinking I hope we are we, we intend to be I mean I think we were probably uh, only two years old, but probably one of the very first Essex breweries to brew into key keg and to brew beers in, in uh, you know, uh, the, the modern modern beers in keg at all. That, that uh, states volumes, so, doesn't it? Well, so, yeah. It really yes. does. So, it does. I mean, yeah, yeah. I may be wrong, but I, I can't think of a loads of Essex breweries that are even uh, brewing like that now. There's maybe a handful. But I'm not so, sure there's even a handful, if I'm being no, honest. No. And, and I'm quite happy to be corrected. Yeah, and this is, like you say, it's a discussion we've had many times, is that for, essentially, a large part of our county is, for all intents and purposes, London spillover. Yeah. There's the, you know, we have a huge metropolitan area in, in, in Essex. Yes. Um, I, I still feel that with a few notable exceptions, and you being one of them, we are so far behind the curve as as a county in terms I, I of the beer that we're brewing. I wonder if it is proximity to London that's part of the reason there. And if uh, if you know you can get Howling Hops and Colonel whatever Essex wide, I don't know. Uh, you can get you can get London brewed beers so close. I would say I would say that in a lot of places that's the other thing. I don't know if you can. I don't think we have a, peri- a, a proliferation of bars that do those modern styles out of London. You know, we, we border so much of Essex borders London. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, as you said, Steve, I think I think there are some very, very good breweries uh, that have been out. I think you cited one of them with Crouch Vale, you know, and we mentioned Brentwood earlier, who've managed to get themselves into that Michelin star thing. So, you know, well done to them as well. And there are others. But I do think that our range of beers, our range of dispense just isn't quite what a lot of other places are. It's, it, it's safe. And it's for a local market. That's yeah. that's my that's that's my view on it. So 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 my local the, the closest brewery to where I live is Bishop Nick. Yeah. And I've maybe only had one or two of their beers that I'd ever really want to go back to again. But 
you know, you see them in a lot of bars uh, yeah. uh, around so my area. I have a slightly different view of them, because I, I think that, I mean, I, if I was looking at that brewery, and I, you know, it's a bit presumptuous of me to do so, so I could say a couple of years, but I think they, they, they brew really excellent beer. Um, the only thing I'd say, I, I'm not aware of the breadth of, of styles that they do, you know, it does seem to be... I variations on a theme I think they're know, very right? accomplished I've been over to their brewery yeah. Yeah. I've met the guy who runs it and I think they do some very very accomplished beers but I think that unless something's some changed recently but I think it's quite a narrow range yeah yeah. so if, uh, we, if we talk about the range that we've just had tonight so we've had the American Pale Ale we've had a Pilsner we've had a Rhubarb Saison we've had a Black IPA and we're now doing two iterations of an Imperial Stout there's, there's, I don't I'm think there are any sure other I'm not sure there's many other brewers that do that, that. But again, just just come back to the Bishop Nicky, and again to, to give them some credit, after spending a weekend in in, in Belgium and, and arriving back in Colchester and finding there was a Bishop Nick ESB on in the, the, the Bricklayer's Brick Arms, yeah. I went and I had a couple of pints of that because it was what I needed after, after Belgium, after, after, <laughs> after Belgium. Yeah. and it was exactly what I needed and did the job, yeah, did the job perfectly. So quite naturally, Paul had a second question. As Obviously. he does. Right. Uh, so he basically, when will we see your beers outside of Essex? Well, you already can. So um, where where outside of Essex where, do you get well, to? We're, we're getting a little bit of national exposure, a couple of couple of um, uh, through a couple of methods. We um, we were picked as one of Brewdog's uh, up and coming breweries uh, this year. So we we sold a, a keg load. And send it up to Aberdeen. Brilliant. It's then come throughout, right throughout. A lot of it ended back up in London, which, in terms yeah. of beer miles, is very questionable. But um, it also went Manchester, or whatever, Newcastle, a lot oh, of it was sold cool. in, in Perth, yeah. etc. Yeah, no, we're very chuffed with that. Um, so that was all keg. Um, equally through Ebria, um, especially I think as since the last Great British Beer Festival, where we're one of the the first thirty breweries that had. On the camera key keg bar, um, the, most, the first time they they'd done that, um, we've had we picked up quite a lot of Ebria stuff as a result of that. So it's going out absolutely nationwide through that method, um, and also there's a couple of runs that we that we do ourselves. So, so actually de- delivering direct. Um, Gabby's my wife's got a son who lives in Nottingham, so we we do Nottinghamshire. And we drop in at Peterborough on the way, so we get a couple out there, so like Newark and Retford and places like that. And we also regularly, every four to six weeks, we do a trip down to Kent. We get into Whitstable, Sittingbourne, Deal, Warmer, uh, those sort of places, Ramsgate and Margate, and um, trying to build up a bit of uh, a bit of a, a body of uh, customers there. And also Brighton and Hove, we've started to do that run as well because it's really accessible. Mm. The seaside thing works a bit, you know. Yeah, our, our sort see of that, thing. that, yeah. So uh, really aiming at micro pubs, not aiming at regular pubs at all. Don't even bother. Yeah. Well, Paul's. Uh, we we already know that Paul's uh, pub is the Hope, isn't it? Carl Shorten. Carl Shorten. Oh, right. And uh, that's a, I think a pretty well known pub for the quality of its. Uh, it's cask offerings and stuff so yeah. I think he, he would be more than happy to see your beers turn if he, up there if he does keg as well we can have it on Ebria like tomorrow but if he does cask then we know they do we keg there, to, don't they they do yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so one final question uh, directly for you Ian is from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers uh, what are your thoughts on bars not offering tasters 
When I've come across it, it seems to normally apply to the higher price special point edition special edition beers. Surely that's all the more reason for not wanting to splash the cash blind. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'd normally give a strong view one way or the other, but I can absolutely see both sides of this argument because um, he, he's right, you know. So if there's an expensive, unusual beer. Wouldn't you want to take if you're going to spend an eight pound pint equivalent or something like that? Wouldn't you want to taste it first? But from the sort of retailer's point of view, how many people are going to have that much Barrow's SS9 if it was nine pound a pint and go, Oh, that's really lovely, get on untapped, give it their mark, and they won't go back and do it? I wondered if you might say that it's the ticker (laughs) thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a ticker thing, yeah. So, I, I would only turn a taster down if I genuinely didn't like it. I, I honestly feel, and I'm, I know we've discussed this before, that a taster of a beer doesn't do anything to give you a taste of what that beer is. To have a pint of it, no. Be, it be, because you'll get, and a lot of places are now doing a taster in like a shot glass, yeah. so you can't even get any aroma from it or anything. No. You're just literally, you're, you're literally just yeah. tasting it. Well, you can tell though. You could tell if it's off or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So you, but you know, like if you're drinking cask, you go, I don't want to waste it. You know, it has to be in good condition. You can look at the condition. You can look at it. You can smell it a bit. So from that point of view, I can see the point of a taster. But no, it's a different experience drinking a taster yeah. than drinking a pint. Mm. And, and we've said that so many times that drinking a taster or drinking a half is is very very different from drinking an entire yeah. pint. I think it depends. It does depend on the beer. But sometimes yeah. a bottle share, if we have like a rare bottle, which might only be a five hundred, and it's like. 12 or 14 of us yeah. you are literally getting a taster you're probably not getting the full experience yeah, of it no. absolutely speaking of full experience we're getting a load of this aren't we we've drained the keg version of the SS9 Steve <laughs> on a Monday night <laughs> I'm going to put it out there but we both like it um, yeah I reckon so and I'm going to reiterate it's danger juice yeah. uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't drink anywhere near 9% no what would you pitch it at if you were tasting that no knowledge of it whatsoever. Four and a half, five? <laughs> yeah, I'd go back. Maybe. I'd go, I wouldn't go far off myself. You know what, though? This is not one of our beers that people get into trouble with. Because I think it's bad. Well, I don't know. Give us some more. We'll see yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Keep pouring it. We, we, we do have a beer. A cockerel spit is one that does cause people to come to grief. You know, it's because they're drinking of pints things. of it, aren't they? As well. Yeah, drinking pints of it. That's five point six percent. Five point six, and it's very drinkable, and people. You know, we've we've had myriad stories of people coming unstuck. Whereas I've never, I've not had a horror story. I presume about I think it's because people are, you know, all right, we've probably drained it a bit quicker maybe than <laughs> the average person, but. I assume that people they know it's nine percent straight away. They're drinking it with a little bit of respect. They're having a third, maybe two thirds or a half. Yeah, that's right. Whereas the cockle rose spit does lend itself to being a, to still coffee. drinking a pint of it. Yeah, yeah. And I would agree. It is a very quaffable pint to coin a phrase. Doesn't drink its five point six percent. So I can imagine if you're doing a, a session, you end up having five or six pints of it. Then yeah, yeah. you yeah, may become you may become a proper. Yeah, yeah. Could become a bit yeah. messy at some point. Yeah. Um, so just while we're finishing off the uh, the, the barrel-aged version, <laughs> um, what's what's next for for Leon C Brewery? Where what 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 are your immediate plans for the future? Uh, just uh, we not we haven't got long-term plans. So short-term, uh, we want to do a good a good Christmas, yeah, nail a good um, English-style strong beer, uh, ESB Barley or wine. something like that. Barley wine, yes, that's all. That's all. <laughs> and, and there was Steve interjecting. Uh, um, so we, so we need to get. Fuck it, I'll come down and brew it. We need to get cracking with that. 
we've got to look into cans. But other than that, it's actually it's a bit sort of more of the same. But we've got to get some things here, like we need more cold storage. Um, so that's where I think it is. You know, we need better cellar facilities so that we're in the good beer guide now, which is great. You know, so, but that will bring some sort of different sort of tickers that want to be here to to say they've been to another good beer guide place and say so we need, yeah. <laughs> but we need so we need decent cellar so we can have more than one cast beer on at a time, etc. You know, um, other than that, it's just cultivating a customer base, looking at good quality wholesalers that we hope will will mean that we can sell up. You know, a bigger lump of beer than than just the the, the odd two or three casks to individual pubs, uh, and just working away at that really. That's that's the next plan. Sounds good to me. I mean, you've come you've come so far in such a yeah. short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. We we think we've done. You know, I have to be honest, the same thing. We've done okay. Yeah, I mean, your beers are. I'm not overemphasizing this, but they are incredible beers. Yeah, they, they for are, two years. If every beer that we've had tonight has just been exceptionally drinkable, and and that's personally what I look for in a beer yeah, is, is its drinkability, drinkability and balance. Yeah, and and, and flavour. Yeah, and, and your beers have had all three, and, and and that's that's exactly what I look for. Yes, Steve's not leaving. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting picked up by Michelle later. I'm just going to be here and drink you when, when you can. Yeah. Is that the chair for the floods? <laughs> That's right. At some point, Steve will wander off. He yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just, yeah. I'll just disappear. <laughs> All right, I have to put the tracker on. I'm off. Uh, we do have one final question um, tonight that we just need to do. Questions, questions, fill my head. And that's from Miles Lambert, at Miles Lambert, who said, is there a brewery who you used to drink a lot of that you often overlook these days? I don't seem to pick up many Buxton beers these days, but I used to love them. I should really try more of them. Um, even before I'd read that his, what his bit was, when he said that a brewery used to, Buxton did spring to mind. And I think the Buxton thing was very much from the, having the Axe Edge. You think? New England version. I haven't bought anything from them since. Uh, I've I've bought a couple of theirs via via Sean at Beer Central. Um, I think the one brewery for me that really leaps out that I drank loads of when I first started discovering beer is is Weird Beard. I, I used to absolutely be all over their beers, and I just I don't know whether it's availability yeah. or I just don't see them. I just yeah I just don't. If I saw see, them, I would. Buy I don't them. see their beers. I mean, they're an incredible brewery in in terms of what they do. But I just don't see their beers anymore, and that's a real shame because I I used to I used to love their beers one because they were tasty beers, and two because of their artwork. Yeah, that's fantastic. I always loved the different little bearded man at the bottom of the artwork. Well, we went to the tap takeover at the uh, Victorian, didn't we, that time? Yeah, a few years back, and that was a really good night. They cast and keg on. Yeah. Um, is there is there any any not, brewery there's, for you? There's not really. Um, no, I I like I try and keep. Yeah, I, like a lot of people, I probably was trying looking for something new. Um, I suppose Tiny Rebel, because um, I, I, I love Kutch, right? And the one of the, we we modelled our um, our like two tree island red on on Kutch, you know, because that was like an inspirational beer for us. But I've had too many of our you know jam roly poly, peanut butter stuff. Very sweet for me, and so I've sort of looked upon them with maybe a bit more scepticism than before. But um, having said that, you know, straightforward, you know, hot forward beers, brilliant still. Yeah. So. But if anyone else has got any uh, 
breweries that they think they don't yeah. quite gravitate towards these days please share it off the next show let's now use the hashtag opinions before we finish the show we've got one final thing we need to do which is uh, we did a giveaway or we were doing a giveaway for yes. a Jaipur t-shirt and um, whenever we do a giveaway we always like to have like an independent adjudicator almost draw the winner for us so I have an envelope of names already prepared right here um, these are all the people that en entered the competition and got the right answer as well which was uh, the question was uh, how many pints were sold at Peak Ender was it about 15,000 15,000 was, was the number we quoted they got exactly the right number well not exactly <laughs> but that was that was <laughs> roughly well played, uh, yeah. all of the uh, winning answers are in this envelope Ian if right, you'd like to draw us a, a, a name out and um, unravel it live on the show and oh, just, just read how who's won the t-shirt I have the t-shirt is own is at Ewan RCD. Oh, oh, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> is that a bad thing? <laughs> number no, one no. fan. Yeah, he's our current number one fan. Um, did, did all those slips of paper have Ewan RCD? <laughs> Probably. Um, Paul, if you want to um, send us your address, we'll send you the Jaipur t-shirt. And we do expect a picture of you on Twitter wearing said t-shirt with the hashtag opinions. Um, I think... We've probably got one thing we need to do before we finish, which is to thank you, Ian. Yes, thank you for, very much. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming. No, thank you. Thank you. Very congenial host. For sharing the beers. Why are you taking so much time with that barrel-aged <laughs> beer over there? I'm saving it on a Monday night, Steve. Yeah, so am I. Um, it's, it's been great finding out about the, the brewery and That's your journey and, and actually visiting the space as well. It's a lovely little space and I will encourage anybody visiting this part of Essex to come. Absolutely. Check and, the opening times, Thursday and Friday evenings, Saturday afternoons. We'll, we'll put a link on the show notes to where people can find information uh, about the brewery. Um, what have we got coming up next time? Well, continuing a bit of a, a Seba theme, Steve, we've got is it James Corder who's now, is it chief exec? Is that the right phrase? He's, I think it's the, yeah, he's the chief CEO. He's the chief exec. Yeah, yeah, chief exec of SIBA joining us on the show. Um, he's relatively new into the post and has definitely hit the ground running on social media for one. Oh, without a doubt. So um, first up, any of our listeners got any questions? Start, start yeah. pointing them in our direction. related questions, yep. stuff that's been on the news recently. See what James has to say about it. Yep. Uh, again, once again, use the hashtag opinions. And I think that pretty much rounds up this week's show. Apart from, you you are ahead of me on a Speyside Baronet's beer, which is a <laughs> bit of a shock. It's because I'm just really enjoying it. It's, so it, it comes back to that drinkability. It, every beer we've had tonight. Because I'm getting a bit of smokiness out of this beer now as well. Now it's, it's, you know, but it's, yeah. it's, oh, the air's got to it and it's warmed well, up maybe, a little bit. Maybe Mark did something to me. When, when he smoked in, in, inducted me to smoke beers. But um, yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thoroughly enjoyed every beer. Yeah. Uh, once again, Ian, thank you very much. Yeah. For thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Somewhere, somewhere